Hey, cowpokes. Today on Through the Lens, the rootinest, tootinest show on Weagle. We'll be hopping on our horses and putting on our spurs to talk a, to take a walk to the town saloon and hopefully not get into a duel at high noon. Through the Lens today, we'll be jumping forward in time from what I just described, and we'll be talking about some modern westerns. Wind River and... JP, JP's with us here. No He's our special for guest. Old men. I do believe that they were released ten years apart. I think Wind River was 2017. That no is exactly right. 2007. Yeah, it's gonna be awesome. It's However, be dope. How are you doing, JP? First of all, dude, I okay. So I kind of procrastinated watching these movies till like the last mm-hmm. minute this weekend. We we do it every time. So it's fine. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, I was going to watch No Country for Old Men a lot earlier last night. I I called my old roommate because we watched it uh, like probably 10 times whenever we lived together. Just it was something we'd watch like every three weeks to a month. I don't really know why, but we loved Taylor watching that some, movie. Just recently drank some Looking milk. for a man who has recently watched No Country for Old Men. There you go. So I called him last night because I passed him <laughs> on the interstate, and I was like, yo, I need to watch this movie tonight, and I need someone to watch it with because I don't like needles, watching <laughs> by myself. So I go over there, and he's like working on an assignment, and then they're watching Molly's Game, mm-hmm. the Jessica Chastain oh, movie. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> pretty, pretty solid movie. I'm not even going to lie. But we didn't get started with No Country till about like eleven fifteen last night. Yep. So I watched like I think exactly an hour and fifty minutes till uh, I guess this is this isn't like a spoiler for you podcast, is it? We talk about the bare bones. I mean, these, this one movie is fifteen years old and the other is five years old. So no. However, it's not, not we do go ahead and we say do your thing. I warning. do have the rest of my intro. I got to do. Oh, oh my bad. Go no, no, no. Say it, your thing. Say your thing. It's okay. Like well, I watched until right after Llewellyn dies. Yeah. Because Llewellyn Mouse, it just kind of doesn't fizzle out. But the book, it goes the book very different. Is better. Yeah. yeah. All right, Davis. <clears throat> But before we practice our quick draw skills and make a plan, maybe that one's for you, JP. I like that. We will get out our newspaper and check the wanted posters to see what's happening in movie news. Davis, they get better every single time. I'm sorry. This is magnificent. I like your writing with those intros, man. It's it's very smooth every time. So, of course, as Davis said, we got that movie news. But first, we've got our trivia question from last week, Davis. What movie was Sigourney Weaver's big break? Oh, I know. Alien. That's right. The movie was Aliens. So if you guys didn't know that, go ahead and watch that movie to see her first very big if break. If you feel so inclined. It, true, true. Absolutely, if you feel so inclined. It's an awesome movie. It's just not really anything else like it is how I would describe Alien. I don't know. And we've got our trivia question that we'll be asking at the end. I got a good one. We'll see if Davis ask it now. No, you ask it at the end, Davis. It's a whole thing. Don't forget if it's at the end. No, no I, I want, I'm going to put it right here. I'm going to lead into it. It's going to be a whole thing. Trust me on that. And as Davis said, we're getting into that movie news, and I'm going to start off on a sad note, as we seem to always do nowadays. Gilbert Gottfried, known for his outlandish comedy as well as voicing Iago in Aladdin and Digit LeBoyd in Cyber Chase. Davis, I believe you talked about Cyber Chase I like Chase some before. Cyber Chase. Has passed away at the age of 67. Very tragic news. I actually saw a clip somebody posted from him on this show called Celebrity Squares. I don't even know what it was, but apparently it was a show where... Yeah. You, you know what I'm talking about? It's, I think the, the yeah, it's a, it was a it was a game where like yeah, like two regular people and the celebrities were all in the squares. Yes. I'm pretty sure you had to play like tic tac toe. Exactly. With the celebrities like getting it right. And, and the there's w- the famous clip that goes like, "You fool! You fool!" for five minutes. So basically, the way the game would work is you would be you would p- pick a celebrity that you put your trust in, and the celebrity would answer a trivia question, whatever the question was. And you would have to figure out if that celebrity was one correct and two telling the truth. 
and the fact that they weren't intentionally tricking you. So if you said, I trust this celebrity got the answer right, and they did, you get a point if you say, I trust them and they got it wrong, or vice versa, you did not get a point. And that, yeah, that clip was going around on Twitter, and it was hilarious. So, of course, that happened this past week. And then related to a movie that Davis and I have watched, Davis has watched it about a billion times. He talks about it frequently. He wouldn't stop talking about it to me trying to get me to watch this movie. Mimi Reinhardt, the secretary of Oscar Schindler and composed the original script or the original list known as Schindler's List of Jewish workers to recruit for his factory has passed away on April 8th at the age of 107. Mm. Pretty old. When my dad sent me the, the thing, I thought I thought it was the writer of the book. And then I like look up the New York Times article it's like, "No, no, the lady that actually wrote the list in 1942." D- JP, have you seen uh the Schindler's List? It's not the just oh, Schindler's sorry, it's just Schindler's List. I've list. actually sorry. never seen Schindler's List. Well, if Wind River had an effect on you, oh, you you're, maybe your don't day watch will be, this movie. Your day will be ruined if you watch Schindler's it's, List early in the day. It's, That's a, that, you got to watch that at night. Yeah, you got to watch it at night alone, curled up with like some popcorn. And Dude, there are some movies yeah. that like when I watch them, Wind River is probably the one that, I mean, off the top of my head since I just watched it earlier, like it affects me probably the most, I'd say. Most negative, at least. Some movies affect me in like a really positive way, like uh, Into the Wild. I ah, I haven't movie. seen that one yet. That actually. movie literally just makes me want to just like disappear for like a week into the wilderness. That doesn't but, sound I mean, like a good huh? effect on you. I mean, do you not think about that? Mm, Have you no. never had like the you know what they that all the dumb jokes about like the masculine urge to just disappear <laughs> yeah. off the face of the earth? I'd love to go do that. I'm actually planning on going to Alaska at the end of the summer. I'm gonna Whoa. go for like. Uh, 12, 13 days, me and uh, some friends of mine from high school were trying to get some tickets. He found, like, a round trip for, like, less than 500 bucks. You better stay warm. It's in August, so I, I don't think it'll be too bad. Hey, I'm, in Wind River, he said it was August, but he still had to be so- true. Oh, snow. Yeah. Why don't we look Shovel up- a foot of snow. I mean, I know it's still barely even spring. Why don't we look up what Alaska, Anchorage, Alaska's temperature Watch is Watch out right for those now. moose. They're pretty- they'll, they'll mess you up. That's true. Yeah. Um, they're- Moose, which still I, sometimes I once called them meese, but I know it's mm. moose. Um, <laughs> Alex moment. <laughs> hey, what can I say? Uh, they're race. gigantic. Yeah, so it's 31 in Alaska right now. Yeah, I had a cousin who lived in the Aleutian Islands. Well, it was my cousin and cousin-in-law. They're married. Uh, they actually have a kid now. I saw her yesterday for, uh, for Easter. We were talking about Alaska, and they lived in the Aleutian Islands, which is like further west than Hawaii. Oh, yeah, 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 because that's all that stretch. Way out right, there. I get you. He works for NOAA. I don't really know what that acronym stands for, but he but worked for the one. weather people. That's uh, all I know. <laughs> and he was telling me that I was asking about the bugs because that's what is always something I don't think enough people worry about because, sure, you got to worry about animals and bigger animals and things like that, but bugs, man, he was telling me the mosquitoes are less frequent, but they are way bigger. Yeah. They know how to. Those are the the biggest and strongest mosquitoes that survive. So they're going to be gnarly. I was about to say yeah, survive, they survive the those temperatures. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's, that makes good. That makes good. He point. said they move a lot slower, but like you see them coming. Oh, unlike Lord. mosquitoes here, <laughs> it's like a horse fly coming at you. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what to expect. I kind of want to look up what an Alaskan um, mosquito. what an Alaskan mosquito an Alaskan looks like. Bullworm. No, that's a. Y'all haven't even seen Davis. You didn't watch SpongeBob. I know. So you didn't get that oh my reference. Goodness. Yeah, what? these things, things are gnarly. Show, flip around. Flip Them Jones are big. <laughs> oh my things lord. Yeah. 
I, I used to follow this one guy who did the uh, the Look at this. Pacific Crest Trail, I think is what it's called. Yeah, I'm looking at what? that photo right now. Do you, have y'all heard of the PCT, Pacific Crest? I think yes. that's what it's called. I want to say I have. This guy posted like a video of him hiking up the trail, and he's just getting like hit by a cloud. Oh, my Lord. So that's I'm crazy. This article's called Backpacking with Monster Skeeters. <laughs> Did you have to say monster skaters? That's what it said. I was, I was right. verbatim. Yeah, I, mean, like, in the, uh, I mean in the voice when you said monster skaters. Um. Also in movie news. I was, yeah, I about to say, I, is that the transition to say let's move it on? Or you well, I mean, like we can keep going, but I do want, because I don't, do you have the Seinfeld parents? Oh, Estelle I Estelle Harris and I Liz Sheridan have passed away. I did not, unfortunately. Yes, you break that Jerry's mom and George's mom from the show. Yeah. Estelle Harris also was in a lot of other stuff. She was in Sweet Love with Zach and Cody, for those yes. who remember The Maid. Yeah, that's yep. very, very tragic. A lot of, lot, lot of, Someone's man. going after the Seinfeld parents. No, we're just never catching a break with celebrity deaths, I think is the more accurate She's term. also in Toy Story. Oh, yeah, she's uh, she's Mrs. Potato Head. Correct. Oh, okay. Correct! That Thanks. would be a good button to have on the array. Ooh. The plankton correct. Absolutely. Um, what, I just want to mention one last thing, that when Davis said the mosquitoes thing, there's this one country song, this David Allen Coe song, where he literally just says it like that in the song. I can't remember the exact line, but it just mosquitoes. Fair enough. Um, Jack's and just eyeballing us right now to the glass. That's what he. That's what he does. Uh, he he just wants to join the show, probably. No, I'm just kidding. Um. Anyway, so moving on to more big time breaking news. The teaser trailer for Thor: Love and Thunder has finally released. Less than a hundred days till the film will actually premiere. We watched it in the bullpen. What were y'all's thoughts on that trailer? Davis, I know you're so MCU'd out. You're probably just very. Oh, meh. I don't. I don't care. I thought it was sick. I love the MCU. There you go. I have been a big fan since Iron Man, and you know I'm kind of MCU'd out. I guess you. Could we, yeah, say, that, that's what we. That's what we use because we both are. At the same time, it's just like I don't know. I've always enjoyed it. It kind of makes me feel like I'm still young whenever I keep. I up get with you. Stuff like I get that. you. Like I get I've you. I've been loving watching Moon Knight. I, yeah. I mean, I know you were complaining a little bit about it, but I like that it's its own thing. I just think it's got a lot of potential, especially when they're going to tie it in. I'm guessing they'll tie it into everything else towards the very end. Yeah, I would assume so. But like one take that I have that a lot of people disagree with, I liked Eternals. I thought it was good. I haven't seen it. I wasn't very. I wasn't looking forward to seeing it, Davis. I don't know. I don't know if you were. You didn't see it either, though. So I imagine you weren't looking forward Moon, to seeing Eternals. Moon, not, no, or Eternals. Eternals. I don't care. You're not even listening, Davis. What are you doing over there? I was reading about Taika Waititi. Oh, okay, that's fair. Yeah, he is yeah. the director of this again, and the Guardians of the Galaxy are in this, because if you saw the end of Endgame, spoiler alert, because I'm saying this because somebody spoiled the end of Endgame on Twitter, and people got mad, and I was like, guys. They go back in time? Yeah, no, uh, I was going to say the fact that Thor ends that movie with the Guardians of the Galaxy. I like that they're carrying on his sort of done-with-war kind of thing, but I necessarily don't, because I think it's because they're ushering Chris Hemsworth out of the MCU because you've got Natalie Portman returning as they're gonna take called him out the back. Mighty Thor, I think, is her character, and it's like basically female Thor, essentially. So I think that he's ushering his way out because he's on the older side, and he's also been doing these movies forever at this yeah. point. He's one of the original castings from 2009 Thor. Yeah, I think he's kind of ready to go. And I was talking about this. I'm surprised there's, like, there's two actors. Um, the first one... Christian Bale. I'm surprised he hasn't picked up a role in the MCU yet. He is actually in this movie. He, he's he in this in, one. He will be in Thor: Love and Thunder. Actually, I there knew that he was going to be in something. It was him, and I can't remember who the other one was. Um, it might have been Javier Bardem. Because I mean, Josh yes. Barden, uh, Josh Brolin 
was Thanos, of course. That's one of the coolest roles ever. Watching No Country after seeing Endgame, where I just see a purple Josh Brolin like the whole time. <laughs> Javier Bardem, noticeably identical to Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Absolutely. It's insane. We'll, 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 we'll post pictures of that when we post uh, about the show. Is Jeffrey uh, Dean Morgan in? MCU yet? No, he was he was in the DCEU. He was Thomas Wayne for a brief time. Look at this, James. And he was uh the comedian. He was. That's right. Look at that. Oh wow. That's yeah, it's, like it's, they are. It's, it's uncanny how similar they look. Actually, it's it's very yeah. It's crazy. Which one's which? What are y'all's opinions on the Watchmen though? I know we're supposed to be talking about it. westerns, but I haven't seen dude, it. Dude, Watchmen. I liked that it. movie. Is awesome. I liked it. I liked the director's cut more, but that's every Zack Snyder movie because the dude doesn't know how to. Limit his content. Anyway. That guy uh, definitely... That one also kind of weighs on me, too, mm. whenever you watch that. I hate the intro, bro. That Bob Dylan, ooh, the times they are... No, yeah, it's, gonna, it's... That sounds like Zack Snyder. That sounds like Zack Snyder for you. Just blast some song that he really liked when he was 13 over the uh, yeah. over the screen. So anyway, moving on to some more news. we got a lot to discuss here. According to Cinelinks, Star Wars Visions has been renewed for a second season, and it's set to premiere later this year. I don't know if either of you watched that, but it's... In the same vein as The Boys Diabolical, it's a bunch of animated anthology like episodes on Star Wars, each by a different like writer and director and each in a different animation style. The very popular one was the like anime. The Warrior, which was like uh, yeah, it was an it was a black and white anime and it was cool. really good. It was really cool. cool. But apparently some of them are very bad. The Boys Diabolical is the same. So I mean, good. More Star Wars content. I I will say more Star Wars content that is unique as opposed to just, this guy showed up. Just, yeah, standard, ah, cameo. You mean this person you saw in the Clone Wars? Here they are again. Nah, anyway. I um, wish I could curse so I could make, like, the famous, oh, this guy showed up joke that's this, on the internet. This one's not live on the air, is it? No. Well, it, does, it doesn't matter. We just got to cut it out anyway. So, Interesting. Not, not going to do that. I'll say it if you want to cut it out. No, no, okay. no. We'll mm-hmm. say it. Hold, hold, un- hold, hold until the end of the episode. You should not have just given me that information because it definitely might slip whenever we get heated. Well, we got to edit, man. You, then you're going to edit yourself, partner. Uh, <laughs> um, and according to IndieWire, Adam Sandler and the Safdie brothers are reuniting for another project. Note that was what Uncut Jim's came from. The Safdie brothers with Adam Sandler starring... I imagine it'll be coming out probably around next year. So JP just, you know, put up his hands and started celebrating. I love Uncut Gems. I have not seen it. It's very but stressful. I'm sure that it's, it's too you know, stressful for me to see for a third time. Ah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch it this summer. I look forward to uh, finally seeing that because I know it's his best performance and mm-hmm. all that. He nearly got an he He's nearly got an Oscar on. for it. He didn't get it. He didn't even get a nomination. That was one of the best roles I've ever seen. I think. I think you know. You kind of have to be wary of, oh, guy you expect to be bad suddenly being good. Because I think y- you almost get the revenge, what I would call the Revenge of the Sith, not effect, but more or less the prequels effect, right? It's the fact that, in my opinion, people really like Star Wars Revenge of the Sith because the first two movies before it suck. Mm-hmm. I don't like them at all. I think they're bad. And I think a movie that follows that is automatically improved in your eyes because your comparison is bad movies. Just like. An Adam Sandler movie where he's not a dumb character like Hubie Halloween, you think, wow, this is amazing. You know what I mean? I I, I, I haven't seen the movie, so I can't pass that judgment fully, but I think the Academy was wary of that. And they also didn't want to give a comedian an Oscar nomination because the Academy's stupid. We've talked about this as well at length. Davis Davis has ran against the Academy many a times. The Academy and the Recording Academy. Ah, multiple multiple bad Academies. The Grammys? Yeah. Yeah, I heard some controversy from this year specifically. Grammys this year just made me never want to watch the Grammys ever again. That's fair. But that's 
partly because I just can't stand pop music. And it's mostly just pop music and then, like, the one country artist that literally everyone likes. I'm not hating on Chris Stapleton at all. But there are other country artists that they could acknowledge out there. I get you. Sergio Simpson. Hmm? Of course, him. There you go. Yeah, let go. me. I want to see who all the. Okay, we don't need to be talking about music right now. <laughs> yeah, we Sorry. got quite a bit. If you see, speaking on the of docket, country music, so, uh, we're we're not even there yet. Um, hey, partner. An article from Variety Heard indicates that Adam Project star Walker Scoble will be cast as Percy the lead Jackson. in the new Percy Jackson series. Why'd you just interrupt me? Well, I am I going it. too slow? I knew it. Um, and he also just kept tweeting, "I'm honored. I'm I so think that honored. Might have been I'm fake. very honored. I feel like that was fake. It looked kind of funny. I hope. It, I hope it was. <laughs> I'm real. honored. So I mean, honored. This looks cool. I, I have a lot of friends who read the series and are really big you fans You didn't read of them? No, I did not, actually. Oh my. Did you read Percy Jackson? Dude, I read all of them. Oh, I read man. them like Percy three Percy Jackson times. nerd off right So now. are you guys looking forward to this, then? Dude, the Lost Heroes, other movie, uh, the books. Like yeah. The ones at, uh, Heroes of Olympus, that's what it yeah, was. Yeah, well, he, he, they had the dragon. Those were incredible. Yeah. So are you guys looking forward to this series, uh, then? I mean, like, no. Really? But really. I like the first, the first movie with... Dylan O'Brien, is that his name? No, it's uh, Logan Lerman. Logan Lerman. They're the same. They're like the <laughs> they same. They look similar. They're the same person in my what mind. What is that guy in? Logan, Logan Lerman, Lerman is in Fury. And he's in Perks of Being a Wallflower. He is. He is. He's Norman in Fury. And he is in Perks of Being a Wallflower. He's awesome. Um, he's so, I like so the first sad. one, but the second one is awful. Did yeah. you watch the second one? Yes, I saw the second one. That's Horrible. one of the worst. We should I saw it in theater. Put that on the terrible. docket. The Percy Jackson movies? Mm-hmm. It's on the docket then. Put it on the added. There we go. A lot of things on the docket. Put we got some two work. things on the docket. Hey, we have, okay, actually, if we go back to we the original show idea Harry document, Potter. we have a lot on the docket. We have Harry Potter. We have a lot of movies we haven't even covered yet. Children of Men. Um, Percy Jackson. Percy Jackson. Lord of the Rings eventually. Oh, we hadn't. I was just thinking earlier, had we done Lord of the Rings or not? We got a lot of trilogies planned for next year. Dude, now that Grayson uh, has the HBO thing, I can tell you right now, I'll be rewatching Lord of the Rings this summer. Absolutely. Why'd they call it the two towers? Because it's the Eye of Sauron tower and then the uh-huh. tower that Sauron when, when that, What year did that release? Uh, 2002. Oh. Uh, dude, <laughs> yeah, need they- I say more? <laughs> oh, my god. Need I say more? I don't, okay, I don't, actually, I don't know if JP I, don't know if JP I have understands. some news for you relating to that. 2002, two, two towers. towers. And like the two thousand and the two, like the no, 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 no. Think about, think the about year another historical. No, no, actually, actually, actually. I, I have some news right here from a guy, a YouTuber that people don't like. He gave a, a pretty infamous review of Turning Red, where he was mad that they did not mention nine eleven in it. What? There you go. JP. I haven't seen the movie. Somebody explain. <laughs> So, Turning Red said in 2002 ex- in oh, like New York. I understand. Okay. And I, the guy was like, well, it's 2002, so why didn't they mention 9-11? Maybe like, what? because it's a children's why movie. Why would you mention it? They're going to take a second and be like, the tragedy has changed us all. It's a I, kid's movie. I understand Everybody now. was clowning on him. I thought you were talking about like... No, 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 thing, no, no, no. But, no. I, More, but no. also, Davis, the book was written in like the 50s, so... Did you really think that's why they no, called it that? I did not think that. <laughs> you just had to be you, that he was, guy. He was setting up a joke. Have I you heard, did you did you come up with that on the spot? Or? No, it was on TikTok. It was on Twitter. Of course, it was, it was. I saw that on Twitter in reply to the turning red thing. I was about to say you didn't just come up with that too. That's horrendous. Right there. That's no horrendous. Way. The turning red thing. Yes. I'll, I'll see if I can find who bad it was. Bad criticism. See if you've heard of I him. think as a two, movie podcast, I can tell somebody that's a bad opinion to have. Is the two towers? Is that the one where they with the ant battle with with, with at Helm's Deep? Yes. The end oh, battle oh, he's is in the trees. Yes. so sick. Yes, absolutely. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. So as Yo. Davis looks that up, we'll keep moving on. We got a lot to discuss. So 11 years ago today, as of recording this episode, Game of Thrones premiered on HBO. 
don't know if y'all were big Game of Thrones fans. I you my are. mother was. I watched the first seven seasons twice, and I watched the okay. Watch just not watch seven the eight, seasons. No, no, I'll, I'll explain it. So I watched the first seven seasons in high school, and then I rewatched it my freshman year of college, and I was waiting for the eighth season to come out. Ah, after I then, rewatched the eighth season, I was like, I'm gonna have to take a lot of time off before I rewatch it. And then I tried to get into it with my roommate uh, last year, but just the British accents, I couldn't do it a third time. <laughs> I can't do it, man. There's it. I just I couldn't. Fair, fair. And speaking of big-time shows, the trailer for Stranger Things Season 4 actually released last week during our recording of our Morbius episode. We had talked about uh, the show being announced that it was a fifth season by the Duffer Brothers is coming out after this fourth season. Davis, with your hand raised. Mr. Enter, if you've ever heard of him. No, I haven't. He's pretty infamous from what I've for heard. For being dumb? Yes. Turning Red is a mixed bag is his video, which I assume mentions the Sounds now. like his review's a mixed bag. Yeah. So there you go. Did you watch the movie, Davis? No. Uh, I, I didn't know anything about that. That it took place at that time, but also who cares? There you go. It's a kid's it's supposed to be actually pretty good movie. I've heard that, too. I've heard that, too. Um, Turns into a red panda, oh, which is you. a whole other issue, but we won't Indeed. get into that. Indeed. We'll not get into that right now. <laughs> we'll, we'll, save that. That. we'll save that for the Turning Red episode down the line. So we'll turn that into the pit. Uh, never mind. Go so ahead our Stranger thing. Things season four trailer. I think I'm assuming we all three of us have watched. We've all three watched Stranger Things. Yeah, I Maybe. love Stranger Things. Big fan over he here. He loves well. Stranger. I Things. I got my parents to watch Stranger Things. Oh, really? They liked it more than I did. Wow. Yeah. I, I I'm a big fan as well. I talked about being fatigued about you know how many seasons, how many years pass between each season. It feels like you know it's going to take forever. But then again, I watched the trailer and I'm sucked right back in. This trailer looks awesome. I'll it look looks like the it. scariest. One so far. Do you think time travel's involved, JP? Because they keep showing that clock. I don't entirely oh, know, but then, yeah. I mean, we'll see. I I'm just, looking forward to it. It's just always interesting. It's always well done. It's like Netflix is probably probably one of their best productions. And I think I think it's very it's very it stands out in a lot of people's minds because most of what Netflix does is very uncreative. It's very monotonous. I think about, you know, the fact that they made three to all the boy I've loved before movies that were all the same movie. Or The Kissing Booth got a sequel, which was the oh, same don't, movie. Let's not get it. Or that. The After Trilogy, which is only something I've heard about because I watched a video by Alex Myers about wow, how stupid that trilogy the is. The After? Yeah. With Ethan Hawke? No, 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 no. That's, that's the, the before. before. I was about to say, if no, you were yeah, hitting on yeah, that, yeah. Then we'd have an issue, Buster. No, no, no. So, <laughs> anyway. Um, no, we, we, I put that on the docket. Anyway. Good. um Like, those are all... The same movies that are not creative at all, and then Stranger Things. Every season has a different thing, a different thing they come up with in the upside down, a different villain, a different creature, or whatever. And I, I just love it because it's so unique and it's so creative. And have you seen? Say your thing. I'm, I'm just really looking forward to it. So it's going to release in two in two parts. Uh, volume one, May 27th, and then Volume two, July 1st. I don't know why streaming services are going into that whole. Let's separate it out. I guess. To it's they're just ensure, becoming TV plus exactly. Which I, we discussed that in my mass media law class today. Actually, is how streaming services destroyed cable and have since adopted cable's mo. Boo! The reason people liked streaming in the first place because it wasn't cable. Because I watched you have to wait a whole yeah week exactly before you see your next like, episode. I was able to watch all of Strange Things three in one day while I was at work. It was awesome. Yeah. I watched that whole show so fast. Yeah, it absolutely. was so good. Have you seen the theory that the zombie dude from the trailer is Billy? 
Yeah, that'd be so stupid. Because of the the like tentacle things in his back, similar to how Billy died. I, I, I don't think so. However, we it's opened, not, I didn't see it here. I just saw someone like, I hope this is true. Like, why do you hope that's true? That ruin his redemption. We opened the trailer with Billy uh, or with Max talking to Billy. That's that's notable. However, that's that's you know that's a, definitely going to be part of her character arc. I don't know. I wouldn't assume so. But then again, he was the most bonded with any upside down creature we've had. So thumbs down on that. I, I I wouldn't have an issue with it as but I, I mean I, I just wouldn't because I know they do it well. Who's the guy that looks like Kevin Costner that plays the doctor? Oh, I don't know actually. What actor's that? I don't know. It does look like the scariest of all the seasons, though. I'm looking forward to that as well. It looks very, very scary, I will say. Um so moving on, speaking of movies and something that's quote unquote scary, a Florida man set the Guinness World Record for watching Spider Man No Way Home three hundred times two hundred and ninety two times to be exact. That's, That's a total runtime of seventy two seven hundred and twenty hours oh or thirty days. That guy has nothing else to do with his life. Did he pay for all of those? I mean I'm sure most of them I'm gonna do that math what is that guy's like profession thirteen dollars let's average? let's say he goes matinee let's say let's say let's say bring bucks? it down ten bucks. Ten bucks flat. It's like two thousand nine hundred dollars already. I can just do that. In my no, yeah, it is, it, it, that is that is going to be twenty four hundred bucks. These are the people that I want to interview. If it was, 13, I want to find out what is wrong with them. If it was thirteen dollars, it'd be four thousand. Pushing four thousand, <laughs> bro. Why, why do you feel the need to see a movie? So I got. And I'm also going to say it. I'm going to say it. It's not that good. Whoa! It's not. It's it's That's a not, solid take. Look, look, you shouldn't. You shouldn't really, in my opinion, see any movie two hundred ninety two times, especially if you pay for it. For one, but number two, more importantly, you think this is at some point some, they were just like, just go in. This is not some transcends space and time masterpiece of cinema. It's, is there any movie? It's a nostalgia she, fest. Is there any movie that exists that you could justify that you'd be okay with someone seeing two hundred ninety two so, times? In I think. Going to the theater to see a movie a lot more. One fits better with previous times when people had seen things that had never been done before. Like the first Star Wars was mind blowing. Two thousand and one, or yes, or two thousand one. A mi- but still no or movie. The, no movies just for the one where the times. train comes towards the screen and everybody ran out the theater. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming towards us. <laughs> um, I mean, sure, but like, no, no, no movie has an actual justification for that. But more importantly, a movie that is Spider Man No Way Home, is. I mean, I like it. It's good. It's not it's not a top ten movie of all time, in my opinion, which is like those movies are the limit. But again, as JP said, 2001 Space Odyssey, that movies was... that are different, not just, oh, the multiverse, two characters come. Like, you know, if DC and Marvel square off, bro, that's something you want to be in the theaters a million times to see just for the experience of people freaking out probably. But again, turning 92 times is ridiculous, man. It's I, I will say... I saw Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest six times in theaters when I was I a saw seven Batman <laughs> Four, the the new one. As I see Batman Four. Oh oh, I, th- I thought you meant Batman Four no, and no, Batman no, no, and Robin. No. I was like, no, 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 no. So, but two hundred ninety-two. You have to go life. more than one time a day. I feel like at that point. Oh yeah, no, because it, it hasn't it hasn't been out for a year, so you'd have to you because you, I mean there, there hasn't been two hundred ninety-two days. That man's got issues. Do you think? Okay, maybe he just. Probably just has to be like a like stayed in a theater or like jumped over to another theater instead of paying over and over again. Either way, that's still. I know, still. He spent more money on those movies than he probably did on rent, water, groceries, all that. Combined. Plus, you're thinking, you're thinking, you know, if he's going to be there for a full day, he's going to be buying movie food, which means, oh, bucket of popcorn, that'll be $38, do think, please. Do you think he actually watched it each time or he was like, oh, I've seen this part? And he just gets out of his phone. At that point, then why bother? 
I'm about so, to just get heated about this guy for no reason. Can we move on, we, Scott? We, 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 we can move on. We can move on. <laughs> to, to a bit of a sad note, with the end, you know, a bit of a commentary on things. Davis, I imagine you might have a bit to say about this as well, JP. With the acquisition of 20th Century Fox oh. by Disney in 2019, Blue Sky Studios, Fox's animation studio, oh, was included in the purchase. Going. In February 20, 2021, Disney announced that Blue Sky would be shut down in April of this year, of April of 2021, citing the economic impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on its business operations, and the studio officially ceased all operations on April 10th. How much is Disney worth? Um, you're going to have to look that up. I wouldn't even be able to tell you. With you the news, up how, how much did it's you guys, worth. And- did you guys see this, though? Because with the news that the studio would be shut down, a group of artists came together and put together one final shot of Scrat, the famous squirrel from the Ice Age series, finally getting his acorn. It was actually quite that. emotional. Because he hopped off screen and faded to black. I didn't... Uh- I mean, he is a squirrel. Exactly. $203 billion. Thing. Whoa. Oh, my gosh. And, okay, I'm looking at this website. At, I don't know how total assets is worth <clears> that. reliable it is. Companiesmarketcap.com. They rank Disney at, where'd they go? I think it said 41. 41 in the world. $231 billion? Is that what you said? $203 billion. Okay. This one says 231, so I don't really know exactly what it's worth. I think it's in in the ballpark of over 200 million or 200 billion, excuse me. Um, So, yeah, Blue Sky, for those who don't know, created the Ice Age series, the Rio films, and Robots, for those who remember that movie. Let's not forget about Big Weld. (laughs) Big Weld riding Um, down on the. Dude, I was showing. Whenever I was talking about uh, my cousins from Alaska, not from Alaska, but but I was showing uh, their daughter, Lillian. She's like. I don't know, maybe 10 months old, I was showing her the Big Weld domino scene where she was eating it up. Because <laughs> I'm terrible with children. And I was like, you know, I know kids love cell phones and YouTube and all that. So I showed her that and like the, <laughs> the Russian guys feeding the polar bear through the drive-thru window. You know, did you show her the one with the orangutan? Orangutan? The where you, one you driving goes the golf like, cart? No, the one where he asked for the banana and he goes with his hand out and the Russian guy throws him the banana. No, I didn't, good I didn't one. have that. Is that the one where he makes that awesome catch? Yeah. Yeah. Good one. I don't have a lot of uh, good, content good. like that ready on my YouTube. I don't really watch that. I got it I got it all up here. But we were talking brain. about uh we we're talking about Coco Melon and then literally <laughs> Why like you say it like that. Coco Melon. Coco Melon. Stop it. I was uh I was showing my dad this like meme about Coco Melon. And then like the little jingle played and her ear is just like perked up. It was insane. (laughs) Oh my lord. It's literally like crack for babies. There you go. I got our JP parenting advice one oh one. Three easy. I bet if you played the Spongebob theme around like ten year old. No, 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 no. That's not advice. I'm just spitting facts. Coco Melon is not good for children. There's your advice. Don't put them on Coco Melon. There you go. <laughs> Don't put them on SpongeBob. Um, so I was gonna say, um, I was expecting you to say a bit more about this, but I was gonna say in my in my one political statement I've ever made on this show, monopolies are bad. We need Teddy Roosevelt back in office. Cause again, th- I mean, this is this is to a T. I'm just gonna have a little little moment here. This is to a T. Why monopolies themselves are bad because they want bankrupt creativity, and two, then Disney, a corporation that has way too much under its umbrella doesn't have enough money to go around to support an animation studio that it just bought. That's why Blue Sky got shut down. I think it does have enough money to go around. Well, I mean, okay, either way. They, 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 it's within their power to choose not to and shut down an entire studio. This I, is why. I think they were going to shut down eventually at well, some point. I mean, okay, I mean, maybe. That's true. But the point is, the point is, Fox is probably still funding that if Fox is still Fox. But since Disney acquires Fox, it's no longer on. I mean, Disney already has two animation studios, their own and then Pixar. I'm just, anyway. 
That, 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 that's my that's my what thank you for coming to my TED talk. I hate but, the Ice Age baby. I love <laughs> the Ice Age baby. It's hilarious. Uh, and I like the first Ice Age movie a lot. I'm actually. just talking about those the memes about There the are Ice so many Age memes. Baby. It's very very vitriolic fear people uh, anger towards A lot the Ice of people Age hate the Ice Age baby. It's interesting. It's very interesting. We still got some two movies to talk about, gentlemen. We do. Uh, we haven't even gotten into it. We're 40 minutes in almost. Indeed. Yeah. Well, we'll get there. We'll get there. Speaking of mergers, Warner Brothers Discovery is exploring an overhaul of DC. They merged uh, just recently, and they believe that several top-shelf characters such as Superman have been left out to languish and need to be revitalized. Projects like Todd Phillips' The Joker are a shining example of how second-build characters from the DC library can and should be exploited. Davis, I think we both agree with this because we need Henry Cavill back on our screens. Yeah. And yes. just... It's taken DC long enough to figure it out, but now hopefully they can take a step in the right direction and not be a complete and utter mess, which is what the, which is what the universe is right now. Okay, I, I wait. Hold on. Okay, let me uh, <laughs> let me just get this confirmed by the actual movie guys here. So yeah. this is hearsay right now. My cousin and I were talking about it. Apparently, Matt Reeves is going to work on an HBO show about Arkham That's Asylum, yes. and it's yeah. going to tie into the next Batman movie. Yes. Yeah. That sounds awesome. He's, it was supposed to be a GCPD procedural, but it's morphed into an Arkham Asylum sort of scary type show. He's also going to be working on a show about the Penguin that will both tie into the next Batman film which, whenever that comes out. It's like out. the downfall of Oswald Cobblepot or something Actually, like that. if anything, it's the rise of it because think about how the movie ends. It ends with him sort of – it ends with Catwoman's monologue about being people being thrust into the spotlight, criminals seeing this as – Time to escalate. And that's kind of, you know, one of the great Batman things is how people escalate in response to Batman. I think we'll see that with the Penguin. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. But finally, DC seems to be, you know, figuring it out that their entire cinematic universe is a mess. Hopefully they'll do something about that. And then last bits of news. Will Ferrell has been cast alongside Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling in a Barbie movie. Yeah. It wasn't really going to be Amy Schumer, apparently, but then the Margot Robbie replaced her. They Darn. wanted Amy Schumer for Barbie? Actually, no. Let's continue on for <laughs> Whoa, now, JP. Whoa, hey, now. Hey, 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 hey! I didn't even say anything. <laughs> hey there, partner. Um, then there were two trailers I saw. Trailers for Crime of a trailer for Crimes of the Future. This film, directed by David David Cronenberg, known for Crash and The Fly, which is a creepy movie, by the way. It stars Viggo Mortensen, Le- Leah Sado, and Kristen Stewart, and looks absolutely insane. It's a deep dive into the not so distant future in which humankind is learning to adapt to its synthetic surroundings. The evolution moves humans beyond their natural state and into a metamorphosis which alters their biological makeup. This trailer's creepy as heck, but I'm sure the movie's going to be awesome because we like Viggo Mortensen. And then trailer four, We Own This City, was released. The show from the creators of The Wire stars John Barenthal and will premiere on HBO Max on April 25th. Barenthal, I'm pretty sure. John Bernthal. That oh. man is in everything. He is. He's awesome. Sorry, John Bernthal. I think Bernthal. he should be Shadow the Hedgehog for the next Sonic movie. He would be a good Shadow the Damn, Hedgehog. not here. <laughs> I mean, I think, I, think, uh, I think you'll just hear his Punisher, because that's what he just like, does for no, half. No, 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 I'm what? itching to do it again. You what? think you're going to send me to a nut house? When are we going to actually talk about these Right movies? now, you know what, JP. You know we're not. Forget it. We're not even going to talk about it. Right now, JP, about. we are talking about not just Western, but the modern Western or the neo-Western or the <laughs> contemporary Western, as it's called. So for those who don't know, what is the neo-Western? The neo-Western are films that use contemporary U.S. settings and Old West themes and motifs. So essentially, it supplants traditional Western stories into the modern times, adapts them to 
the modern era, and it's been on the rise since the release of Joel, Joel excuse me, and Ethan Coen's No Country for Old Men. Such films in the genre include Dirty Harry, Brokeback Mountain, Gran Torino, and in TV, Justified, and The Sons of Anarchy are considered two examples. And Taylor Sheridan's filmography can be used as a template to identify what being a neo-Western film means, with three identifying themes. First is the lack of rules, second is characters searching for justice, and the third theme, characters feeling remorse, connects the neo-Western film to the broader Western genre. So yeah, there's there's a bit of a rundown of when we when we're saying neo west, when we're saying contemporary western, that is what we are talking about. We're not talking about the good and the bad, the ugly. We're not talking about tombstone and so on. We're talking about those sort of western stories supplanted into the contemporary and modern era. So with that said, we're going to get started with 2007's No Country for Old Men. It is written and directed by the Cohen brothers Joel and Ethan Cohen. They are known for films such as Raising Arizona. Fargo, The Big Lebowski, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, and then the Western remake, True Grit, one of my personal favorite uh, films. It stars Tommy Lee Jones as Sheriff Ed Tom Bell, Javier Bardem as the absolutely terrifying Anton Chigurh. Call it. Josh Brolin as Llewellyn Moss, Woody Harrelson, who I forgot was in this movie, as Carson Wells, and then Kelly McDonald as Carla Jean Moss, that's Llewellyn's wife. And then going down the line, just a couple other names, including Barry Corbin as as Ellis and Stephen Root as he's just listed as the man who hires uh, Carson Wells. Cinematography by the goat and the man we've talked about a billion times, Roger Deakins. Roger, your guy, Davis, your guy. And then music composed by Carter Burwell. He's done most of the Coen Brothers films, including Raising Arizona and Fargo, and has been nominated twice for, t- for two Oscars for Todd Haynes' Carol and Martin McDonagh's Three Billboards Outside Evan, Missouri in 2017. Is that a good movie, Three Billboards? I have not seen it. I want to. My dad has. He said it's awesome. Star So Rock, I, I, I noticed how you said music whenever you were starting yes. talking about Country for Old Men. And that movie is very um, famous for being known for not having any exactly. music at all. But the sound design in that movie is absolutely incredible. Favorite, uh, I, I don't know. I'm just going to go into this right now. Favorite we- sounds in the movie is the sound of Anton shotgun. When he's shotgun. walking. I'm just kidding. The <laughs> shotgun is The shotgun incredible. is magnificent. So for those who don't know, for a bit little background on this movie, it is, as I said, the neo-Western. It follows Llewellyn as he stumbles across a, a, a drug deal gone wrong, and he steals a bunch of money, and then it's Anton trying to hunt him down, while Ed Tom Bell, played by Tommy Lee Jones, trying to, you know, save Llewellyn and sort of realizing how crime itself has changed. I know and Lobo. You exactly talked about um, that music, JP. The the Coen brothers deliberately minimized the score used in the film, leaving large sections devoid entirely. The concept was Ethan Coen's, who persuaded a skeptical Joel to go with the idea. And while there is some music from Burwell, most musical instruments didn't fit with the minimalist sound sculpture that Ethan Coen had in mind. So, yeah, we can get right into it as I just laid the groundwork of the plot. This movie, I mean, it's... It's second to none, in my opinion. It's one of the best thrillers, it's, westerns, neo-westerns, crime drama, whatever you want to say. It checks all those boxes. And I think, first and foremost, the cast is brilliant. You rarely get three big-time heavy hitters in this movie at, in Javier Bardem, Tommy Lee Jones, and Josh Brolin. And neither of them, I think they each get they each get enough to do. You know, normally with movies like this... I think the antagonist kind of steals the show. Think about Seven, for example, another movie about a psychopathic killer. You got Brad Pitt, you got Morgan Freeman, but Kevin Spacey steals mm. the show in that movie. We're in this. Detective. Exactly. Uh, Josh Brolin has a lot to do, and he shines a lot. Tommy Lee Jones has some excellent scenes just by himself. And then, of course, Anton Sugar at 
played by Javier Bardem, is he basically swept all the award shows uh, during the year after this came out for Best Supporting Actor. They're both excellent, and they're all great. And then Woody Harrelson's just there. He doesn't do a bad job. He's better in the book, because I don't know if you know this, Alex, but I read the book. I did not know that, And actually. the book is... How long did it take you? <laughs> Shut <laughs> up. How, 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 long, how long did it take, JP? It's not that it took me that long. He it's just, just I cheat. bought it during, I think, the end of the summer, and then I read, like, 100 pages and I don't know, less than a month, and then I finished it in November. So it took me less than, like two months in total to read it. It's just whenever I read books, it takes me forever to read yeah. it. But the book pretty much does like an equal amount on every character. And in the movie, it mostly focuses on Josh Brolin and, of course, uh, Anton Chigurh's character, um, or Javier Bardem, Anton Chigurh. The book, the way it kind of gives Ed Tom's perspective, because he's like pretty much the main character in that. Right. And they talk a lot about uh, the scene with Uncle Ellis in the very end. That's probably my favorite part in the whole book because really? he, he talks about like his motivation as to why he's trying so hard to figure this thing out. And it's because he feels this guilt from uh, – he talks about like his experiences of World War II. Uh, he had to like leave his battalion behind and because uh, they were like getting bombed. And then he knew that if he stayed there, then he was going to die too. So he was hit like with this conflict of whether I should leave my, my friends behind or if I should die with him. He chose to die with him, and he felt the guilt the whole time, and that's why he just – he did his best to literally try and figure this thing out. But in the end, I mean, it kind of makes sense why it's no country for old men. It's a crime that he could never figure out. Exactly. And I think I think that's one of my favorite things about this movie, just message-wise and how it ushers in this new era of neo-westerns and contemporary westerns, as it's also called, is the fact that the whole message of this movie, and it's very deliberate in a lot of cases and less deliberate in others, is the fact that crime itself has changed and has passed by the old-timers. He opens the movie with, I always wanted to know the old-timers, I always wanted to hear about the old-timers, but crime itself has shifted. It's passed them by. Even then, you know, that within this movie, you have the sheriff in El Paso. This is one of, my, one of my favorite scenes as well, talking about the drugs and the money and how it's changed everything. But Anton is not about either of that. Anton is a representation of where things are going further. The money and the drugs have led to these crazy shootouts. And now what's the next step is Anton, just psychopathic killers that don't want anything. They just want to do it. Just and crazy. Let's just exactly. say he ain't got much of a sense of humor. Exactly. Let's just say that. What do you think of his hair? He, oh, my gosh. Anton's hair? Yeah. I, I, I think it's cool. I think it's a meme. Yeah, he, he doesn't care. He doesn't care about how he looks. Exactly, because he's, he's there to kill he's people. Crazy. Yo, but Anton's dripped out. Like the the ox the ox blood color pants, bro. The red pants look sick. I'll tell you who's boots dripped are out. Jimmy Renner and Wind what? River. I was liking that yeah. outfit, dude. Amen. His outfits, the gun that he has in yeah. Wind River. Is we'll one we'll of my get to favorite. Wind River eventually. And I will say, okay, so even, even building off that, we're talking about we're talking about um, outfits. I think you even get how Llewellyn is a representation of the past because he thinks you know, I think past Western movies, the common man could do anything, right? In the past Western, it was. Always the story of the known outlaw who gets defeated by our local hero who just learned how to fire a gun. That's like a common trope or whatever. And that's what Llewellyn is. He's, you know, he's out of his depth and he thinks he can make it. And he also wears classic, absurdly bright Western clothes. Like it reminds me of how like they, Back to the Future. It's like how they dressed Michael J. Fox, Marty McFly, in Back to the Future Three. That's exactly right. There you go. And I think he's a representation of that. And Ed Tom is the character who's watching it all change, where Llewellyn is a representation of the old Western protagonist, and Anton is the new Western antagonist, as it were. Because it's not about money. Where all, all old Western movies were almost about that. It's more about 
how many people he can kill and what ways he can come up with killing them, which is crazy. Yeah, in the book, like the opening scene where Anton gets arrested, uh, I don't know if he was actually hired at that point to go recover the money, but he literally gets arrested just to see if he can like get out of the handcuffs and like kill the guy. They go into insane detail on how he kills him and everything, and I don't know, that, that scene is pretty much just really opens it up as the fact that this guy is insane because he's like excited to be choking this guy out with a handcuff. Absolutely. On. I don't know. His Cormac weapon. McCarthy, writer mm-hmm. of that, also wrote The Road, which inspired The Last of Us. Oh, really? There you go. Awesome. Very very talented writer, it sounds like. Uh, yeah. Cormac so, McCarthy is incredible. So this film premiered at the Cannes <clears throat> Film Festival on May 9th, 19th, 2007, before hitting theaters nearly six months later on November 9th, 2007. And it's surprisingly short, only 122 minutes or two hours and two minutes. And I really like that because I think most movies, you know, with these sprawling narratives, they can be a bit too long because they have too many scenes. But this movie, there's not a wasted moment, and it still only comes in at two hours and two minutes. And on a budget of $25 million, the movie grossed $171.6 million worldwide. But in September of 2008, Tommy Lee Jones actually sued Paramount for bonuses and improper expense deductions. Apparently, the matter was resolved in April of 2010 with the company forced to pay Jones a $17 million box office bonus after a determination that his deal was misdrafted by studio attorneys, who then also had to pay Paramount $2 million. Ouch. There you go. That's unfortunate. Mr. Sport and Goods. Indeed. Are you sport? <laughs> Sorry, that, that scene gets me every time. They, they, I, that's one thing. It's It has a little bit of everything. There are some funny scenes, even particularly the end when Anton wrecks in the car. The kid's like, Mr., you got a bone poking out of your arm. That one's pretty accurate to how it is. Oh, uh, really? In the book Interesting. Too. Yeah. Interesting. I, it, I didn't want to read the book sometime. I mean, I got a copy of it. My the oh. people I was watching it with last night, my my old roommate, he's the one that has my copy. Oh uh, yeah, right I get now. you. I get so you. once he gets it, I'll uh, I can pass it around. And Whew. things about books that I have, I am very open to having people annotate it. I like seeing mm. other people's thoughts on the book whenever oh. they read it. Interesting. It gives me new perspectives. That's respectful. See, I yeah, I get, it, I get it. Yup. Um, yup. Sure. I mean, I just yeah. I got a plan. All right, oh, sorry. sorry I, no, no, it's it's, it's fine. We're it's doing. Fine. We're talking western. I'm just I'm just saying that the fact that like there's so much about it that I just really really like everything. Even like the dialogue from the beginning, you can just like point out Tommy Lee Jones' narration. You know, I think the first sign of great dialogue is if a narration feels boring or not. Because if you enjoy it, if you like it, then that that means you know that they wrote a good script. Because think about Shawshank, for example. We talked about this two weeks ago. Half that movie is narrated by Morgan Freeman. The final 25 minutes of that movie is just narration over yeah. and over again. And I, it, doesn't, it doesn't weigh on you at all. It doesn't feel, oh, God, here we go with more exposition, more blah, 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 blah. The Scorsese narrations are always yes, phenomenal. Yes, absolutely. That's, a, that's another great comparison. I think this movie, just the opening is just perfect. And I, I love the line, I don't want to push my chips forward and go out and meet something that I don't understand. I love how unapologetic it is in telling you, all right, guys, this is what the movie's about. You know, most movies, they try and go with a bit of show, don't tell, kind of just try and, you know, have an ambiguous meaning or whatever. This movie's like, we're going to have Ed Tom tell us exactly, tell the audience exactly what's going on, exactly what he's terrified of. And I think it's perfect. Davis, what are some of your thoughts on this movie? I saw you rate it four stars out of five on Letterboxd. That's true. I really enjoy this movie. Just uh, an eight, though. What's that? Just an eight? I mean, if you want to do the math there, yeah, I guess. I don't, I don't really, 
I've been recently thinking about rating movies, and I just I have trouble giving them numbers. I think a mm-hmm. thumbs up or thumbs up. I've got this from Jack because Jack only always does a thumbs up, thumbs down. I know what you're talking about. I kind of. I kind of dig the thumbs up, thumbs down. I don't personally like Letterbox rating system because it's too strict. I like IMDb's one to ten scale because you can go to decimal points. I don't like that, the decimal. Points. That allows. How do you a lot know something's point three or point four? I mean, I, like- I, I know I know the difference between a six point one and a six point nine. Mm. Well, so I, just you know, so you know the difference between a six <clears throat> and a seven. Well, yeah, but like that. that no, 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 you know the difference between a six and a seven. But I mean, there's, there's what's the difference between a six point four and a six point five? What's the right. But you can't you can't do a six you can't do a seven or a six point five. Unnecessary I, th- details. I'm just no, saying if, if you want decimal details. points, the only one should be allowed is point five, like a half. Well, yeah, that, like that, a six and even a half, then I'd like I'd like maybe. point fives. I, I, that's the thing is I really would like point fives because um you know there there is a big difference. You can between, do half stars. Yeah, but that no, the half star in a in a one to five scale is just a seven. A three point five is a seven. A three is a six. A four is an eight. What grow up? You mean you can do up. math, Davis? Grow up. <laughs> Whatever you say, Davis. Anyway, keep going though, as you were saying. What do I like about? I mean, like, what 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 isn't there to like about this movie? That's a very good point. I said what's bad about it. I don't think there's a single thing that is. To be honest, only reason that I give it a nine and not a ten is because I don't. It could have been longer, and they could have gotten into more detail on uh, Tommy Lee Jones's character, Sheriff Ed Tom Bell. They could have made Wendell a lot smarter because Wendell is a lot smarter. They completely omit he's, this character. He's dumb. In, he's dumb in this. Which in one's Wendell? Wendell's the, uh, the deputy. Oh, sheriff! We just missed him. No, like uh, I love just that scene though because could have yeah. brought weenies. Because uh, what like um, like Ed Tom breaks in. He's like, oh, that that's aggravating, aggravating the milk's uh, sweating or whatever, implying that he's still there. And then Wendell, like five minutes later, said, oh, we just missed him. Uh, that's aggravating. We got to get this into circulation. Get what? <laughs> Looking for a man who has recently drunk milk. <laughs> that scene right there. Th- there's another character named Omar in the book that's a lot more important that he's just not even mentioned in this. Interesting. But yeah, I give it a nine. Um, it, but like, I've been trying to think about doing uh, album reviews and like music reviews because I'm mostly a music oriented person, and I want to come up with my own way of doing it, like giving it grades, like not like, like a- that A through F, kind of like that. Yeah, but. Uh, because I have like the the validosphere is what I call it, like you know, valid. Just add O sphere to it, and just some songs will get thumbs up, some songs will get the thumbs down. And I'll the rate thumbs it up, out of thumbs that. down rate. There we go. So it kind of combines numbers, grades, and the thumbs up, thumbs down. It's a my validosphere. But this movie is definitely very close to the sun on the validosphere. It's like Mercury, I'd say. Oh, that's for those who don't know, Mercury very close to the sun. Very close. I think we all know that. Hey, uh, you'd be surprised. <laughs> My very energetic mother just, what's the other? I know like I know the order, but I can't remember the. Just set Saturn. Yeah, I know the, I know the planets, oh. but I can't remember the. Just said. Something about pizza, because Pluto's pizza. Just something us pizza. J- oh, our, our mother just, just. Our very energetic mother. Just, just stole nine pizzas. No, would be nine. nine. What? Neptune. Ah, I see what you're saying. I don't know. All right, whatever. It's that's not important. anyway. Yeah, not definitely, it. definitely but not. The movie important. is in my validosphere, 100. percent And it certainly was when it came out. The film won 76 awards from 109 total nominations. It it won eight or four Oscars and was nominated for eight. The ones that it won were Best Picture, Best Director, Best Supporting Actor, and Best. Original screenplay? I think it's supposed to be adapted screenplay there, actually. Is there a... I'm guessing there is an award is an award for best cinematography. 
Yes. yes. I don't believe it, it was nominated, but it did not win. I'm actually not sure. Let me look up. I want to know what movie won Best Cinematography. I'm going year. to look and see right now. Cinematography in Wind River is also very good. I agree as well. So let's see. All the snow. Yeah. The scene where they're like riding out to the oil rig and they do the, the helicopter shot. Going hey, the we're, get, we're getting there. We're getting there. We'll However, get to it. Uh, it lost to There Will Be Blood. So. <laughs> It's, I've abandoned my child. I've abandoned my boy. <laughs> Every single TikTok. I of drink like your best, milkshake. I, I drink it all the way up. Best, best acting performances always starts with just him. I love Daniel Day-Lewis, but that scene, people are like, wow, this is acting. I'm like, there's it's two just, hours of that movie that he does that is brilliant. Honestly, the <laughs> I drink your milkshake scene is better acting than just yelling. All the Daniel TikTok or all, any YouTube as well, which is like best acting performance, just white guys yelling. So people got mad. <laughs> I've abandoned my child. So we were talking about method acting last week, actually. There's a bit of a tangent here. And people got mad because Paul. people pulled up an interview from Paul Dano where he revealed that like when Daniel Day-Lewis was pulling his hair and that, like that was all real. And I'm like, didn't y'all see early in the movie when Paul Dano just slapped him like repeatedly, and that was real because that's what they did. Because they're both crazy good actors, and that's there what you they go. Did. Sorry, yes, <laughs> guys, let's not get mad on the behalf of actors that jokingly say in an interview because they enjoyed it. Anyway, sorry. Moving on, <laughs> it was nominated for nine BAFTAs and won three Best Cinematography. It won Best Cinematography at the BAFTAs, Best Direction, and Best Supporting Actor. It won two Golden Globes with Best Screenplay and Screenplay and Best Supporting Actor. And the AFI, the American Film Institute, listed it as the AFI Movie of the Year and the National Board of Review selected as the best film of 2007, which is in stiff competition with There Will Be Blood because both those movies came out at the same time. And I can't really watch movies. There Will Be Blood. I've uh, tried, and it's just it's I love like it. an old person movie to me. <laughs> it looks like something my that's grandma Paul Thomas would Anderson watch. Movies for you exactly where I was going to go next yeah. with that. It's literally just all Paul Thomas. That's Anderson th- movies th- are. Th- th- those are his movies for you. I really Licorice pizza. Oh my Sorry. lord! Stop. Uh, <laughs> J- JP's clearly. I'm about to make so many, so many indie people mad right now by saying that. I, I'm not sure we have any indie listeners to begin with. Good. Uh, and JP, kidding. you talked about the absence of music and how it, I think at least some of the best scenes throughout the movie. Think about like Anton blowing up the car as he walks into the pharmacy. Complete silence. There's not any build-up music for the eventual explosion. He just walks up and does it, and he just walks, he and there's not a sound. And then the shootouts, the fact that they're normally, like, for example, when Llewellyn is being chased by Anton out of the hotel, normally there'd be some tension-building music, but instead it's just tense on its own because mm-hmm. of the absence of it. I don't know if you picked up on any of this, Davis, when you've watched it in the past. Did I watched you? it with two people what? last night that had never seen it before, and that was really fun to just kind of watch their reactions, reactions to a lot yeah, of absolutely. especially the scene in the hotel where he walks up to the door while the light is on, and he like that scene stands was crazy. There, and then he walks away, turns the light off, and then he like does the 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 cattle canister. Yeah, thing. exactly. The pressurized air thing. Yeah, and yeah. It's, just, it's, to, it's cattle rod. Used to kill. Yeah, the cattle rod. And then he jumps out the window. That Tech Nine. The scene where after he finally clips Anton, where he's walking up with um, the Tech Nine and the shotgun. Yeah. That shot of him with the blood on him. That's one of the coolest shots. In the absolutely, whole movie. absolutely. Davis, you looked at me uh, disgruntled. I was look. I it was not disgruntled. It was like a. Well, I don't know what to say because I am typing an email to my teacher about something important at the moment. Take me to a motel. Wow. I'm sorry. It's, pretty, it's actually important. I know. I'm kidding. Well, J- JP and I can handle it for now, I suppose. Yeah, this um, is literally one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah, and so you, talked can... about, you talked about – oh, sorry, uh, not to cut you no, off. you're good. But you talked about how what is there not to like. I think that there's so many little choices that the directors make that really add so much – 
for example, the mysterious opening, right? We don't know why he's being arrested. We don't we don't even see him. We see his hair. We see his shoes. We then see him shadowed in the back of the car. And then even when we first see the guy, it's in the background out of focus while the, de- the deputy's on the phone. And he just st- <laughs> when he just stands up, that's so and it's so casual, and that's what makes it so terrifying because normally, you know, you think about your traditional movie, they're going to focus on the guy, they're going to put some tension-building music. Nope, he just walks up to the dude and chokes him out. So violently that he starts to bleed, which is mm-hmm. also, I'll say, realistic. Most movies will be like, oh, he just suffocated. If you suffocate someone with anything other than rope, you're probably going to start cutting through at some point. I'm just saying. that's The that's, prosthetics, that's what we were talking about a lot last night. Especially the prosthetics are brilliant. when he's doing the surgery on himself in the bathtub. Oh, my gosh. I like, that's can't crazy. look at it. I literally can't look he's at it. He has a hole in him. It's oh, it just makes me want to throw up. Absolutely. I'm very like squeamish. What do you I think you of about. in the Martian where he does surgery on himself? Oh, that one's worse because he digs one. into him. That one's oh. a lot worse. Mm-hmm. I'll take sewing up a, an open wound rather than digging in for a bullet any day of the week. I'm just saying it right now. I love the that one. Ooh. Another just random scene that I'm thinking about. Yeah, no, go ahead. When he's talking about the tent. Yeah, you got tent poles or I like, got a tent. What <laughs> kind? The tent with the I, I don't know. One with the most poles. <laughs> that, that was hilarious, and I, I love how. Um, a lot of movies, when you've got Anton, the crazy antagonist that is three steps ahead of everybody, you kind of will have to make him intelligent by making a dumb protagonist. Mm-hmm. Not the you way know, he's smart. Ex- that's what I'm saying is he's actually intelligent. Like the using the tent poles and gl- taping hangers to him to get the case from the other room behind it is very intelligent. Like yeah. that's very smart. He's not an idiot. He's a naive, and people comment on that, and he thinks he. You know, it's about the fact that the common man can't outwit the antagonist anymore. They can't outwit the murderer. The murderer is going to get you. That's the message of the movie. That's he's the literally point. chasing him his whole life. And I think that's why he sets up the trap when he crashes the truck and leaves the case in there to go hide behind. But then whenever Anton walks up and sees the blood is when he's like, oh, wait. And then he realizes it just too late. And that's why he gets clipped by the shot. I did not. Right there. Okay. I didn't realize he was that. Tra- that's genius. Yeah. I didn't think he was setting up a trap. I just thought he lost control of the vehicle. But that. Makes it, a lot I think more it was sense. a little bit of both, but yeah. I think that's why he moves so fast, and that's, he did get him. That's right awesome. There. Yeah, I need to clip him. Except I love how Anton turns around because he knows, not because he heard him, because he just realizes what he's what he's at. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that just every little detail, and I think even like um, Anton's con- confrontation with Carson Wells, I think is one of the better scenes because half the movie is you know that that scene with Carson, it it kind of goes a bit exposition when he's talking to. Llewellyn, he's like, trust me, this guy's crazy. But we've seen bits and pieces, but when you finally see Anton and Carson in the same room together, you see them contrasted. Carson's very, you know, he has a sense of humor. Anton's not even paying him any attention. Half the time, he's looking off screen. He's like Mm -hmm. staring at the wall while Carson's just talking because you know Anton's already made up in his mind that he's going to kill this dude. Yeah, already decided. what happens. He decided hours ago. Mm -hmm. And it's just so many little details like that. And then, of course, Javier Bardem is crazy, and his performance is awesome. One of the best performances of the last 20 years I can think of. You know in the scene where the famous, you have to call it, scene in in the gas station? Where he chokes on the peanut? Mm. Oh, no. So I think think he doesn't choke on it. I think um, he's, like, disgusted by a guy marrying into it. No, no. That, like, that just happened in the scene. He literally chokes on it, and they just kept it in there. Really? Yeah. So, like, he didn't mean to do it. In the book, they go into a lot of detail about how, like, how meticulous. And, like, they literally talk about, like, the crunching sounds it was making. Wow. (laughs) But they don't talk about him choking on that last one. That just happened in the scene while he was eating it. So, it's so perfectly timed because it's timed when the guy says that he married into it. It almost seems like like Anton is disgusted by someone who didn't earn something because that's his entire – I mean, he does everything Mm -hmm. himself. He – 
He doesn't, I mean, he creates his own distraction to get into the pharmacy to then sew himself up. He does it all by himself. He's so meticulous. It is interesting, though, he's meticulous because he eats it one at a time. Yeah, and you know most people would not. Well, those bags are meant to be poured. But the the sound design of the peanut butter of the peanut wrapper thing in the scene where he's in the gas station. Yeah, the famous you have to call it scene. Excellent scene. You can see Jack Link's beef jerky in the background. What in the world? Uh, That is one of the goofs. Yeah, that did not exist the year that this movie was set. Mm. So there should not have been Jack Link's in the back. So it takes place in 1980, even though it's uh, never officially stated. And I really like that they don't. Like, you know, they don't you put 1980 it. across the center of the screen. They just let you guess. They let you figure it out when he says, do you know what year this coin was created or minted? I don't know what right. the exact word. This is like 1958, and it's been traveling 22 years. To exactly. This and I, and I, I, I think that's – I like I like when movies do that, when they naturally create the time. Like, you've got Ed Tom saying, that's a 77 Ford or whatever. Or, Does that look like a Nam? 77 Ford to you, Wendell? Were, were, were you in Nam? I do believe it is. Uh, were you in Nam? I was, too. Was that supposed to make me your buddy? I love that part, dude. Absolutely. So and what's the what's the deal with this man's sugar? <laughs> I dude, I just I eat that movie up. It's so I good. think the biggest thing that stands out for this movie is that as you already kinda of mentioned that Llewellyn dies off screen. I the love that he's not a protagonist. He's not a protagonist. He's a but character he's like, in the movie. He's the guy you follow and he just Die. You don't even see him die. Well, yeah, but you follow everybody. Same with the we book, follow Ed too. Tom, you follow Anton. You follow them all by themselves. And the bad guy just walks away, limps away. But he just, he's fine. Yeah. He's Mister, gone. you got a bone sticking out of your... And yeah. then and then Tommy Lee Jones is just, he failed. He retired. He couldn't catch He couldn't catch Javier Bardem. Yeah, he talked about the dreams he had about his dad. He had like two of them. I, I don't remember if he talks about both of them or one. I, le- I left, like, right after Llewellyn died last night just because it was almost 1 a.m. But He that- talks about two two dreams specifically. Mm-hmm. And I'll say leading into that, a couple things. Um, one, at the end of the film, uh, so, I mean, he killed Carla Jean, right? Yeah, he does. Yeah. Don't, don't you love the detail where he checks his shoes? That's the only way you know. It's because he, he checks his shoes to see if he got blood on them. That's... The only indicator. Of, I mean, you of course can assume he's a, he he's is very a man meticulous. of his word. Exactly, absolutely. Like when he shoots the guys in the bathroom, he takes off his shoes and socks and throws them in the bathroom with the bodies. That and that's that part of trying to leave no footprints behind. Exactly. Either. Yeah, because he saw the footprints from Llewellyn earlier. That shows the difference between the two of them. Because Llewellyn always has the footprints leading around, and Anton does not. So with that ending, when I first watched it, I was I think I was expecting every movie because I did not like it because the protagonist died or the protagonist I say in quotes. I was like, what the heck? My main character died off screen. Drink yeah, some beers. It's the same way in the book too. They Excellent. they also omit a scene where Llewellyn he picks up like a a stranger, like a, a female, whenever he's uh, running that before he gets to the motel. There's like a whole like I'd say a whole chapter where like there's this other girl around his age. And also he's I believe he's like twenty four or twenty five in the book, and he looks way older in the movie, but um, Carla Jean is around the same age because I think they married when she was 17 and he was like 21 or something like that. And she works at Walmart. I mean, you can obviously kind of tell she's not super bright, but the do you know how they find him? How they found Llewellyn whenever they like find him? Well, in the they, hotel? they they track they found his wife and tracked them, and then were like, "Where are you going, El Paso?" Yeah, yeah. 
There is one gentleman in West Texas. The dude, the old lady. The, I got all the, the old, cancer. All the old people quotes in this movie are hilarious to me. It's funny because I'm like, old and I am not well. Exactly. She's like, you never see a Mexican wearing a suit, and then the dude just shakes it off. He's like, but but where are you going? He like doesn't care at all. Mm-hmm. Every That's line, awesome. man. Um, so about that ending, two things. What do you think is the meaning behind Llewellyn's final scene where he's, where he's talking to that girl at the pool and he says, I know what beer leads to, and then it just fades and that's all we see of him. Do you think there's anything behind that? They were think? in the room together ah. and they busted in and killed him. Really? Cause I'm pretty sure you know. She's, he's... she's in the pool. Well, yeah, yeah, she's dead in the pool. I think he just went to check into a, into a room and wait on his wife. There you go. I always assumed that he, they were, they were. Ah no 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 no! Getting frisky. Llewellyn's Llewellyn's noble then. He's loyal. You literally see her half of her body like floating in the pool. Hey man, hey man. Davis hadn't seen this movie. Maybe he maybe Um, he ran to the room. Maybe I love how Alex is kind of getting the southern accent thing going (laughs) right now. I mean, we try to win river. <laughs> yeah, that, I just have one of those on the air. That doesn't yeah. happen. Don't, don't, JP, don't get me started. I'll start talking about how you put Tony's on your Guthrie's. Yeah. Uh, anyway, oh, yeah. you got that Lowry season salt. <laughs> Y'all got Lowry's. I love me some Lowry's um, season salt. And then, last thing is about that dream about Tommy Lee Jones. Do you think the whole idea of him saying I had the dream and then I wake up is the idea that his old, the old idea, ideas of the West are gone? That what people think about the West, the cheap Western, not cheap, you know, the the campier Western movies is not reality. And reality is guys like Anton. Do you think that's the whole point behind it? Because he, he says, I had this dream. I saw this. I knew I was going to get to him. And then I woke up. Then I woke that's up. Oh, yeah. yeah. What? That sounds that sounds good to me. All right. All right fair. There I we think go. it has something to do with his dad as well. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I, I mean, of course, it his does. His scene with Ellis is him. awesome. Yeah, well, that it see, it's like nothing though compared to the book. That's mm-hmm. why I said like you have to read that part. I of the got book. you. I got you. It adds so much to it because they do talk about the outlaws that ran up on his family back in like eighteen right. seventy, and they yeah. just killed him. And that kind of alludes to how in the movie it's just crime was evolving at the time, and this is just him finally running into the fact that it is just not it's passed what him you by. thought it was. Yeah, it's passed him by, and he's too old to keep up. So that's part of why he retires right there. Well, that and I think Uncle Ellis knew he was retiring when he went. To yeah, no, they did because he because he said, "I heard you're you're quitting, mm-hmm. giving up." Um, so before we before we move on to Wind River, our next of our neo western contemporary western, what are y'all's favorite scene from the movie? Each just pick you up, pick from y'all's no number country? one. Yes, from No Country. You go first. Davis. I like when uh, the Willis trying to cross the border. I don't know. I really like that one, but I think the fight, which like when he jumps out the window of the hotel because he hears or that he scene like is crazy because he stops in front of the door. That's a good one too. Uh, I really like, I mean, I like the whole thing, but the first one that I'm thinking of off the top of my head, I mean, whenever it's the interaction between him and Carson, uh, Anton and Carson, because they were both hitmen. Like Anton was not a cartel and he wasn't a cartel member. He was a hitman hired by the cartel. Right, yeah. So he and Carson knew each other a long time ago. And I believe in the book, Anton has blue eyes, blonde hair. So he's just like a, a white guy. He's not like a Hispanic guy like he is in this. And I, I just think that adds a lot, especially because they are just completely the opposite. Like they're the antithesis of each other. He's like, do you have any idea how crazy you are? Exactly. That And Anton literally has no idea what he's talking about. And I think that really kind of epitomizes just – their opposite interactions. And then whenever the phone rings, he recognizes the one moment where he has the, I mean, he had the whole, 
he was in charge the whole time, but whenever he finally saw the memoir, it was loud enough that no one would hear the shotgun. Dude. Not that they would hear it anyway. Yeah, exactly. That's the issue. They should have thought. Um, yeah. You yeah. know who it is. I, I really like the, as Davis said, the whole chase where Anton confronts Llewellyn in the hotel. I like specifically how, again, that scene showcases Llewellyn's smart. He knows there's no way they're tracking me. He finds the track rather than just saying, how'd they find me? Which is, mm-hmm. you know, the classic trope. And then he hears the clang. So what does he do? He calls the front desk to see if somebody answers. Not yeah. not even not even to get an answer. He calls to hear the phone ring. He pulls the war zone move too when he jumps out of the window exactly. and then he repositions, goes through the hotel instead of out that way because he would have been chased down and gunned down right there. Also, I got to run to the restroom real quick. I'll That's all good. That's minutes. all good. And I, I, just talking directly to you then, Davis, I mm-hmm. really like how, you know, Llewellyn, he's, he's ahead of the game. He knows where Anton's coming. And then when Anton does the unconventional way of opening out the lock, it shocks him because I think that's just another little, you're behind. Mm-hmm. You're behind the eight ball the whole time. <laughs> He Anton is on your heels, and there's nothing you can do. He he doesn't have morals holding him back. Exactly, Anton doesn't he? Is he has not? In fact, I think one of my favorite things about the little details is how fascinated he is by killing. Like when he says, "Could you hold still just to see what it would do to somebody?" Because mm-hmm. I don't think he'd ever used it before on somebody. The like cattle rod. Yeah, I think he used it specifically on the doors. But then he's like, "I wonder what it would look like." And then when he kills the guy that hired Carson Wells, he like shoots him, and then he watches him bleed out, and he kind of like smirks. Like he's fascinated by it. It's just so many details like that uh, really just add so much to this movie. I really, really like it. But do you want to move on to Wind River? We can get through the cast and stuff while JP's yeah. away. All right. Wind River. Exactly. By Tyler Sheridan. Taylor also, Sheridan. I think it's Tyler. It's definitely Taylor Sheridan. Okay. It's definitely Taylor Sheridan. I, so Tyler Tyler Sheridan is the guy who plays Cyclops in, mm. in uh, X-Men, Dark Phoenix, Apocalypse, and yeah. So, and so, yeah, I, I get them confused as well. Maker actually. of Ye- Yosemite or oh, Yellowstone. Red, 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 Ready Player One. Yes. Yeah, so, we're going to talk about Wind River. It is a neo Western, contemporary Western that came out 10 years after after No Country for Old Men. Oh, actually, wait. Hold up, Davis. One more thing before we get there, if you don't mm-hmm. mind. I read a critique for No Country for Old Men that complained that Anton Sugar never developed as a character. It was written by, by Sukhdev Sandhu of the Daily Telegraph, and he argued that Shigur never develops as a character with material as strong as this. One would think they could do better than impute him to a sprawling, impute him a sprawling inscrutability, a mystery that is merely pathological. Isn't that the point? Yes. The point is he's not a character. I don't understand how people can just miss that. Like, sure, you can maybe argue, why isn't my protagonist, you know, why isn't the focus on Llewellyn? Maybe for preference, but... Anton's whole gimmick is that he's not a character. He is a psychopath. Anyway, yeah. sorry. I'm done. Thank you. There you go. Thank you. He's thank done. You. Thank you for dealing with the Davis. Um, so, Wind River, written and directed by Taylor Sheridan. And Sheridan's a young director that truly made it big portraying the character David Hale on Sons of Anarchy. He's the co-creator of contemporary Western show that is sweeping the nation, Yellowstone, as well as the sole creator of its prequel, 1883. And his film credits and screwed the... Excuse me. His film credits include the screenplays for Sicario, Sicario Day of the Soldado, and Hell or High Water, a movie that we should definitely watch in the near future because it's an excellent movie. And this film, Wind River, stars Jeremy Renner as Corey Lambert, Elizabeth Olsen as Jane Banner, Graham Greene. Love Graham Greene. He keeps showing up in our movies, Davis. Who was he? He was Arlen Bitterbuck and Green Mile. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A very small role that I thought he stood out in and was very good in that. Graham Greene as Ben and he, Show, and the tribal get a, police chief. He got a Oscar nomination for Dances with 
Maybe. Wolves. Let me maybe. let me let me look it up. Dances JP, we're, we're just going through the cast of Wind River right now. We're on Graham Greene. Let me look this up, Davis. Right now, I believe I believe he did when I had looked it up in the past. Jeremy Renner is one of the best cowboy characters I've yes. seen. You were right, Davis. He. he Sorry, no, you go ahead. I was going to say, he's received a Best Actor and Supporting Role nomin- Oscar nomination for his role in Dance with the Wolves. Graham Greene's awesome. He's been great in everything. And Kelly Asbill, Kelly Asbill Chow as Natalie Hansen, though there is some controversy. I'm going to go through in this right now. Apparently, uh, the controversy with her casting is that Kelsey Chow had been advertised as an Eastern ba- member of the Eastern Band Cherokee tribe, leading to the Eastern Band Cherokee issuing a statement that she is neither an enrolled member nor descended from the tribe. Uh-oh. Controversial. Apparently, so one of the actors was listed. Yes. Uh, so the girl who played um, Natalie gotcha. uh, apparently has has marketed herself and said that she's a mis- member of the Eastern Band Cherokee, and they've been like, "No, you're not." Mm. So some some controversy surrounding that, and the a lot of criticism for casting white characters in native roles. We'll we'll maybe get into that. I a think bit later. this was I think wasn't Taylor Sheridan's whole thing in this one is that he did not want to cast white characters in native roles. I believe sure. so. I believe so. But I'm I'm not I'm not sure. It, well, was Natalie the girl that played Natalie? Was she? Well, that's what I'm saying. Is she claimed to be that? That's what I just said. Interesting. I, well, I, I mean, just, I'm just asking, is I, she I don't know. native or not? I, I do not believe so. But again, that's not, I don't think, anything for us to get into seriously and Understood. discuss. Because, you know, we, we that, that'd take a lot of research to be done on a matter that I don't think we're very experienced She was in Pair of Kings. In. She was, actually. That's huh. right. Pair of Kings. <laughs> you know that show? Yeah. yeah. And then Gil Birmingham as Martin Hansen and Julia Jones as... Wilma Lambert. Then you got John Barenthal as Matt Rayburn, James Jordan as Pete Mickens, and then Eric Lang as Dr. Randy Whitehurst, the medical examiner who is Psychowitz from Victorious. He yep. is excellent. Okay, I have the quote from the from the Cherokee tribe. Oh, go ahead. She is on Wikipedia, so. She said, she said that she's of Eastern Band Cherokee descent, which you said, and that playing an indigenous woman was in her blood, quote. That she's part Cherokee and she has a Cherokee identity. And then they said that they have no record of Chow, nor did they find any evidence that she is a descendant. Yeah. Her father is apparently Chinese as well. Fun fact. Interesting. So she wanted to learn Mandarin Chinese. Ah, there you go. A lot of, lot of fun facts uh, from Davis. And then the music, which I would say this is probably the most unique soundtrack we've ever had for uh, any of our episodes so far, is composed by Nick Cave and Warren Ellis, both members of the band Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. For those who are wonder, want a point of reference for Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, if you're big Harry Potter fans out there and you remember the scene um, where Hermione and Harry dance in Deadly Hallows Part 2, the song Nick Cave, Oh Children, is in the background. Very iconic scene for those who remember that movie. Anyway. I don't. Really? We'll have to show you the scene. Later I know exactly what scene. Ah, uh, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And then Nick, Nick Cave is playing in the background. And the cinematography by Ben Richardson, who really found his groove over the last few years working on Mayor of Easttown, Mayor of Kingstown, and Yellowstone. This film was shot in 40 days. Really? Yes. Hmm. It was shot in 40 days and premiered at the Sundance Film Festival on January 21st, 2017, before a limited release in the U.S. on August 4th of that year and went wide two weeks later. It has just a running time of 107 minutes. Two short movies with very great stories. You, you rarely see that because most films, I would say, that are on the shorter side tend to have plot holes or just stories that are very rushed. Morbius. Um. Anyway. I don't want to get into that right Morbius now. Morbius Sweep, Summer of Morbius. Sorry. Morbius, Morbius Mayhem. Is I, it absolutely is. This is don't you know we're in Morbius month? Um on a budget of eleven million dollars, the film grossed forty five million dollars at the worldwide box office. 
I feel like forty-five million is really cheap for how good that movie was. Well, no, it, it was it was made by with eleven million. Oh yeah, my bad, my so bad. Eleven million. That's even, what even I cheaper. Yeah, you're right. Well, you know, I mean, it, it was filmed in forty days, most natural locations, and I, I'm not an expert on this, but thinking about you know they didn't build a lot of sets, so that that cuts a lot of cost, and they. They film in the Indian Reser- They filmed in Indian River Re- Reservation, which is a real place. It's mm-hmm. the seventh largest reservation in the U.S. So a lo- on location filming does cut a lot of cost if you film it in a short amount of time. So forty not a lot of rent cost, and then it was an indie film. So again, Renner and Elizabeth Olsen went in not asking for a lot of money because you know it, it wasn't like it was going to be a big budget hit. It, it wasn't at all. Actually, it was ranked as one of the best indie films of the year after it came out. So before we get into the to you know what we like, what we didn't like about it. Do we want to talk about exactly Sheridan's inspiration for this? Because I have I have a little bit to discuss yeah. about why Let's he why yeah. he made this movie. Because tee it up. So for for those who haven't seen the movie, it opens with based on the true based on a true story, and at the end, the film ends with a commentary on the amount of cases about missing and murdered Native women that are just not solved, that have gone unsolved. Mm-hmm. In fact, there's nothing to be done about it. Across, and it's a it's a thing that's plaguing. Native reservations across the U.S. It's also in Canada is a very big issue. Yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. I, I've, I've heard that as well, actually. So Sheridan said he was inspired to write this film because he learned about, quote, the thousands of actual stories just like it, referring to the high number of indigenous women who were victims of sexual assault and or murder. He wrote and directed the movie to make people more aware of this problem. And when shooting the film, he learned from the Shoshone tribal leaders that there were 12 unsolved murders of young women on that reservation alone. That reservation has just 6,000 people. So that's a, I know 12 seems like a low number, but think about for perspective how many times you hear about unsolved murders in the city of Auburn, which has 60,000 people. For, for scale, just say. 12 is a high number. And the fact that it's 12 unsolved are is ridiculous. So do you do you guys know why that's such an issue plaguing uh, Native American reservations across the U.S.? Are you are you very any familiar with I'm, it? I'm I'm already a little familiar with okay. how mistreated and underrepresented and overlooked yeah. Native reservations already are. Exactly. Like they get li- hardly any funding. They're trying to half the time trying to put pipelines through the reservations because it is federally owned land. That's the whole yeah. gimmick. Because after Native Americans were pushed out of pretty much all of their land in. What what was like the Ohio River Valley type area, and in you know Alabama and Louisiana, they were pushed towards the flyover states where the federal government leased land to them to try and basically pacify them is the way that it worked. Because of course, what else were you gonna do? Because they didn't want to give up their land, so it was like, hey, we'll give you this, which is what Oklahoma was for a long time before they were pushed out of Oklahoma as well. Anyway, so the real crux of this issue is due to a landmark government ruling. In Oliphant versus Squamish, the Supreme Court stripped the tribes of the right to arrest or prosecute non-natives who commit crimes on native land. Seems suspect. What was that? Oliphant? Oliphant versus Squamish. I got it. Or Suquamish. Sorry, not Suquamish. Suquamish. If neither victim nor perpetrator are native, a county or state officer must make the arrest. If the perpetrator is non-native and the victim is an enrolled member, only a federally certified agent has that right. If the opposite is true, a tribal officer can make the arrest, but the case must still go to federal court. This quagmire creates a jurisdictional nightmare by choking up the legal process on reservations to such a degree many criminals go unpunished indefinitely for serious crimes. I'd like to credit IMDb for finding that trivia and allowing me to read it and add it to the show. I felt it was a very important discussion to have. Because, yeah, that's, I mean, 
It's like, sh- sure, this is your land, but it's our jurisdiction really handicaps them. There's a reason these guys in this movie, they have six deputies. It's probably because you don't need six because you can't prosecute half the things anyway. You can't do anything about it. So, yeah, uh, that's really why that is such an issue that Sheridan wanted to write and direct a film about. And I believe that they say in the movie uh, six officers to cover an area the size of Rhode exactly Island. Right. That's actually incorrect. The Wind River Reservation is about 3,500 square miles Rhode Island is only about 1,200 square miles. So it's twice. At least Three times the size of Rhode Island. Oh, my Lord. That is insane. So Delaware, I'm looking at at it right now. It says Delaware according to, what is this website? Thoughtco.com. It's a .com, so we can't entirely trust it. It says Delaware is not even 2,000 square miles. Wow. So it's bigger than Delaware and Rhode Island. Bigger than Delaware and Rhode Island combined. Yeah. Insanity. And that's just because you're right, Davis. It's federally, you know, there's federal rules, but also they need federal funding that they don't receive. And that's what le- what leads to this entire debacle, is how I can best describe it almost. And they're good, th- marshal- they're good marshal to sense it on that decision, Oliphant versus. What, what was the what was the split if you if you if you, I'm, you have that? I'm trying to figure that out right now. Okay, I'll, well I'll keep talking. You you can just come back to it whenever. So this film is actually the third installment of Taylor Sheridan's trilogy it was of modern six day to two. With Berger and Marshall dissenting. Two? Wait, that's eight. I know. I it Either Brennan also dissented or he abstained. I'm not sure. So what are his other ones? I mean, Hell or so, High Water. Yeah, Hell or High Water and then Sicario is the first one he wrote in 2015 and then Hell or High Water in 16. Is Sicario a Western? It's considered a neo-Western. There you go. I did not know You know, know what I mean? Because it, it, it takes place in, in the drug trade in Texas along the border, so... It kind of the the contemporary western is a is a large umbrella and that that's what covers it as well. And I've not seen it, but I've heard a billion good things about it, including Benicio del Toro in it, who and Josh Brolin. Yeah. Brennan took no part. Justice Brennan took no part in the consideration or decision of the case, so he's not counted in the final count. Huh. So he abstained. Very interesting. But he's not participating in the decision. My old roommate, he William told J. Brennan. Sicario is one of his favorite movies. Yeah. So it's, it's a Denis Villeneuve really movie, movie as well, which. He makes nothing but good movies that oh. we've discussed many times. Wait, how do you say his name? Uh, Denis Villeneuve. Okay. Yeah, we got it wrong yeah, got on the du- on the actual dude. I know podcast. that it's not Denis Villeneuve or whatever. It's exactly. Villeneuve. It's yeah, Denis, Denis Villeneuve. Hey, man, look, we, we learned, we learned. So, again, as I said, this movie was released in August 4th of 2017. It was nominated for three awards at Cannes with Sheridan winning the Uncertain regard for best director and it received an eight minute st- eight minute standing ovation though to be honest it seems like every film at Kansas gets yeah a standing i mean ovation. like i i like i don't know if i'd stand up and clap i don't think i'd stand up and clap for any movie it's just like not in my nature to want to do that but like i can understand why this got that well but everyone every single for, one for what it's that. worth i think i think it's not in your nature because who are you clapping for the audience can't hear you but at Cannes, you know the cast is there yeah so you're kind of clapping for them it's different. I, yeah, I guess that. Like, yeah, if, you if, say, if, I Taylor, if Taylor Sheridan was was right next to you, you'd be like, "Good job, I, man." I don't know. I'm just clapping's really not. Oh, I know, but it, it's more. Like, it, it, it's really Kansas is like a play. Understood. It's like a music festival. Speaking of what music festival, Kansas? did y'all know that Danny Elfman performed at Coachella last yeah, he, night? Yeah. Why? He took off his shirt. He had tattoos. Awesome. They he pro- played. Who? He played Nightmare. Uh, the guy who wrote the Spider-Man uh, theme for the Tobey Maguire films performed at uh, Coachella. He last played night. Nightmare from. Uh, Whatever the Halloween, Christmas he, he movie also, is. Uh, the, Nightmare uh, for Halloween. 
No, it's uh, it's called The Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, I'm not a big whatever. Coachella guy. I'll he also honest. played the Simpsons theme. Awesome. Yeah. Anyway, so before we get into this movie, I have one more story, though, guys. Do you want to talk about this a bit? It's about the Weinstein Company, mm. actually, because oh, for disgusting. those who don't know, if you look up the film and go onto its Wikipedia page, for instance, you look at Wind River, you will see the Weinstein Company listed as a distributor of the film. The Weinstein Company acquired the distribution rights on May 13th, 2016, during the 2016 Cannes Film Festival. So why, so why Cannes, you would say, because Sheridan's second film of the trilogy, I say in quotes, Hell or High Water, premiered at Cannes in 2016, so I imagine discussions over Sheridan's next film were, were occurring. In January of 2017, it was announced that the company would actually no longer distribute the film, but a deal was later finalized to secure distribution. It had a limited release in August, as I said, before going wide later that month. In October of 2017, following reporting on the Harvey Weinstein sexual abuse scandal, for those who don't know, Weinstein, a big-time producer in Hollywood, was known for basically granting people roles in return for favors of a sexual manner. That's the best way I can describe it. There's harassment and abuse stories as far as the eye can see, and it's a very disgusting thing that happened, and yeah, that's... I can't give my real opinion on that guy. That's that's fair. I don't, again, I'm I'm censoring myself as well because it's yeah disgusting. But anyway, he'll he'll get what's coming to him. Well, there you go. There you that's go. all I'll say. Um, there you go. Line, so, straight out from JP. So after after the scandal was announced, or after that's the news for the scandal broke, Lionsgate actually announced that it would distribute the film on home media and streaming services. The Weinstein Company name and logo were omitted from the credits, trailer, and packaging, and as a result, the Weinstein Company finally stopped distributing the film. Sheridan had required that uh, the Weinstein Company be deleted from the materials and demanded that all money Weinstein would have made on this work be donated to charity. Good. Shout out Taylor Sheridan. Absolutely. So, yeah, that that is it's one of the last films of the Weinstein Company before, you know, the scandal racked it and brought it down. I mean, basically flattened the company at that point. So, yeah, that's uh, the last bit of story about leading up to... This film. So let's talk about it, Davis. You texted me and said this movie gets a thumbs up. JP, Big thumbs up for me. You recommended when we talked about what movie can we pair with No Country for Old Men. What are some of y'all's favorite things for this movie? For those who don't know, the plot follows Jeremy Renner's character Corey as he discovers a woman frozen in the ice who was assaulted and, based on the evidence, raped. And it's essentially an investigation to figure out exactly what happened to her, who did this to her, and as well as it parallels what happened to his own daughter. Emily, years prior. So let's talk about this movie, guys. I mean, I think, first and foremost, cast is excellent. Yeah, Elizabeth, Absolutely this is probably the excellent. best I've seen Elizabeth Olsen. Maybe top three for Jeremy Renner, because he's really good in her locker. He's, he's great in other things. So that's one thing is I was watching with a noted friend of the show, Sutton Sylvester, uh, my roommate, and he said, man, this makes the MCU movies look bad. Because he said seeing MCU actors in other movies makes the MCU look bad because they actually, you know. They can act. They, they actually are not wooden jokes. Which are joke machines, which is what they kind of Jeremy are. Jeremy Renner, he's in he's in uh, the town which he's good in. But yeah. there's another movie I've seen him in. The he Bourne movie he's fantastic. in. Fantastic. That was the first movie I ever saw oh. him in. Was that Bourne movie? Yeah, that he yeah. It's like in. the Bourne Legacy. That. Yeah, that movie's awesome. But one thing that I kind of don't like about this oh, movie. Oh, Arrival. He's great. That's in Arrival, right. He yeah. is great in Arrival. That's right. I don't like that they make Jane Banner Elizabeth Olsen's character. They make her so dumb. So that's interesting. That was going to be one of the Christmas I was going to talk about. So a lot of people do not like this movie because apparently Sheridan has a pattern for making his female leads kind of moronic. So for those who haven't seen Sicario, spoiler, I've only seen bits and pieces. In that, Emily Blunt's character is a fish-out-of-the-water federal Mm -hmm. agent who is basically being taught by these two super macho killer men, essentially, Josh Brolin and 
Benicio del Toro. This is the same, sort of the same case in this, and in Yellowstone, the same problems apparently persist. So people have gone after Sheridan's, all of Sheridan's works for that reason. Sorry, though, JP, go on. She clutches up big time, absolutely big time towards the very end, but, like, she definitely is a little bit of just kind of like an airhead. I mean, she's in the movie, she's from Fort Lauderdale, and she's stationed in Las Vegas, so they really do set her up for like a negative portrayal of her. She she kind of really comes to towards yeah. the very end of it, of course. And her acting in the scene where they're talking about uh, Corey Lambert, Jerry, Jeremy Renner's daughter, I think that's her best acting in the whole movie. That scene is brilliant. Absolutely spectacular. And then, of course, you know, she steps away because she was trying to, you know, hold steady, and then she goes in the bathroom, and she's just mm-hmm. like, oh, because, I mean, it, it's, it's a terrifying story. And it that's- is. I will say, for one thing, I give this movie a bit of a pass on the Elizabeth Olsen, her character being a bit dumb just because it makes sense for it, for the message. The whole idea is these federal lands, these Native American reservations get no attention from the federal government that the FBI agents they're sending there wouldn't know anything about it. It makes sense more for this story. It's not just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. When she first comes, like... Uh, Graham Greene's character goes like, you see what they send us? And that's- exactly. And she's not super inept because she clutched up a lot. And again, let's not forget, she gets pepper sprayed. She goes in. She was unloaded. Yeah. She goes that in was- and unloads the clip. That's one of the best scenes in the whole and one movie. And be- one of the most creative shots in history. Finally, we see what it looks like to have pepper sp- be pepper sprayed. I'm just saying. Yeah, most that movies, was just go, awesome Davis scene. knows. Davis- I have had pepper spray in my eye, but not because I was pepper sprayed. It had ended up on my hands. Okay. Because someone had left theirs in my car in high school. Because they had, like, you know, a little bit on the keychain. Yeah, and I, I picked it up, and I was, like, bringing it to them. And then, like, I got it on my fingers, like, like my mm-hmm. two index fingers and, like, my middle fingers. And I was taking a math test with Coach Chancery. Break <laughs> Chancery. And, and I rubbed my <laughs> eyes. Nice car. And, um, oh, my God. I, like... I just took the. I kept taking the test because I knew. I knew if I went up to my teacher and went like, "I have pepper spray in my eye. Can I go to the bathroom?" He'd have he would been, been like, like, "Go sit down." Oh, he would have shut you down, man, dude. So, so watching Coach Chancery go just scope out the bathroom when any bit of like vape would come out of there, <laughs> dude, he would fly in there. Oh my insane. lord, he would y'all. just spring into action. Well, back to when. Back, back, yeah, but I mean, seriously though, important. she gets pepper sprayed and she charges in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, the, that, even that even the awesome. sheriff I played think that by Graham Greene, Mace actually. Because they were also throwing up. I think it might have been like bear mace. Yeah, yeah. That's which, that's which would make sense. And it kind of like does the, look the like good it. point. Good the point. Way good he point. Spraying it out because it doesn't yeah. look like pepper spray. True, I pepper, think it was pepper bear spray. Mace. Pepper spray is like yeah, you're right. Which you're is right, illegal right. to use on people. Yeah, because it's crazy. No bear mace. mace. It'll mess you. It's up. It's crazy. I mean, it does. They puke in. I mean, even what I love is later on when we see them again. Um, the deputy. Um, What's what's uh, Ben Show? Oh yeah, Green. it was Green. definitely bear. His, Looking his, at this bottle of bear spray, it was bear spray. Yeah, and his face is still red after the fact. Like his face is still all like messed up. I, I like that little detail of the makeup. But yeah, so I get it. I understand. And I, I one of my criticisms, I do think it's a little annoying when he keeps explaining how to basically. He's like, look at this trail. Follow with your with your uh, binoculars. So, oh, that he mansplained me a bit. that I think that's so, so hard. I mean, like, no, okay, that's what he would have done to. No, it, it, he, that's what he would have to do that to me too. No, it's yeah. not. No, okay, I'm not mad that he explained it to a woman. I'm mad that he explained it at all because I no, just thought I mean, it was like, dumb. that's what I'm saying. Like, if I if it was like, oh, okay, so like I'm, he'd I'm have to explain saying. it to me because I don't know that much about tracking. So he. Like, maybe, like, I could have been like, oh, I see the trail. Like, I would have been like, what is that going up the thing okay, in the snow? Like, other things, like him saying how you can see she was running because of the way her footprints, I like that. It just felt a little like, okay, the one thing point his finger and follow a trail, that kind of, eh. That, 
they kept going like, I'll show you to her. Like, I swear that happened like 20 he said, times. He said, come here, I'll show you like four or five times. Yeah. That also happened with uh, Professor whatever from Victorious. Yep. I'll show Psychowitz. you. Psychowitz. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. I don't know. I give it a pass because it makes sense for the movie why she doesn't know what she's doing. It makes sense because the government's not paying them any attention. And it's not like, you know, it's not like Corey shoots all the dudes or whatever. She, you know, she, she, like gets shot in the chest with a shotgun within like a foot. Like mm-hmm. that's that's point a blank as it's going to get. And she then turns uh, and unloads on some dude's legs. Like I mean, dude's not walking again. Dude's done. So I I, I think she's she's competent enough that it's fair for the story because it's not like she's totally helpless. He doesn't totally, you know, it's not like uh Corey runs down there and disarms them one on one. He's just in an advantageous position and shoots them. That part is awesome. That's crazy. When they get when the dude gets shot back through the door, I was like, like, oh my that, god, that's like Django. It's crazy. It, say, say bye now. Uh, say bye, Miss Laura. <laughs> no, the coolest thing about that whole thing is they they hear it, but they it like doesn't get to them at first, and then he like barely sees them. Yeah, that and then he gun, get, oh my god, that gosh. repeater he has is probably one of my favorite guns in any movie. My Absolutely. one issue with the repeater looked really cool, but was it that high of caliber to make him fly like that? Well, I mean, like I can be like. Well, you see him packing his bullets. Uh, he makes them himself. I yeah. know, but that's I don't are they? I don't think they're that high caliber. I don't think they are. To but blow he, you away like they. I did don't think from they that are, far. but I will but say I can li- this I mean, like, one. I can live with it. This one leans more into the into the western. You know, because I mean, one thing I'll say about this I really like is the fact that it builds and builds that one action scene, which is a, which is a classic classic western thing. It's oh, we're gonna build to the duel at oh, high they, noon. They literally whatever. have a standoff. They, yeah, and that I love standoff it. scene because it's like two. Get a guy from behind me! He's flanking me. You didn't see, and I love how he that dude's he saw it. And he was right. Yeah. Wait. Can you elaborate more so, on that? Okay. So what what happened is they're building up to the trailer, and he notices the security guards are kind of walking around from well, an advantageous so it, position. Well, it's right before that they say like, "Oh, Natalie" or whatever. She's like, "I didn't say the name." Which, first of all, that always that's happened in a lot of movies. I'm kind of tired of that trope. But like, if you key up on that in like real life, I feel like you shouldn't go like. I didn't say their name because then they're gonna be like, "Oh well, now I have to kill them." Yeah, Just be like, "Yeah, yeah," but then you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So th- she said that, and then they started like trying to get behind them. And and I mean, he was right. Yeah, they were he was, like he the, was hundred percent right. The guards were trying to like so get that, behind the police. The guards so they were could basically eating an advantageous position to catch them in the crossfire and kill them all. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. See, I I didn't know if there was something else because I figured she like did notice this whole thing about how they were surrounding her, whatever, or they were yeah. surrounding the whole thing. But I thought what he said, like you didn't see it. I thought there was something in like the background with a trailer, mm-hmm. like the the movement in the trailer that Pete was in there. Like I figured that's what he was saying. Like, oh, you didn't see that. But I, I kind of had an issue without. So how did Jeremy Renner Corey figure out that the body, like the skeleton he saw, was? Uh, Matt. It wasn't it, it wasn't him though because we found his body earlier. That's one thing is no, the, it, yeah, Matt. Oh, we did the eagle. That, remember the eagle that was nibbling on that dude? That was Matt. Okay. okay. So okay, that's the, one thing. When the is, two of them find that other naked body out in there, yeah, that's John Barenthal. Yeah. That's so who's John the who's the other Barenthal. skeleton he finds? Uh, I, I think that was just an animal skeleton. So how did so what made him realize what made him want to radio into Graham Greene then? I'll, I'll, I can explain this part. So whenever he finds the lion's den, yeah. and that's he's sl- like, it's over for you. And he sees a little. The, he, he sees, sees a, bones. Um, he sees a track that leads all the way back to. Well, he sees it like leading in the direction of the oil refinery, mm-hmm. and then he sees it, and that's when he figures it out. Because like, so he, what does he figure out though? Because what 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 are those tracks from? 
It's from uh, their snowmobiles or like their snow four wheeler thing. That's something I didn't pick up on the first time I watched it. Well, whenever you see it a second time, you see the actual. I thought track. I did see track, but so it was going to like John Bernthal's body area or. I think that they literally would just kill people and leave them at that lion's den. I think that was an animal's, um, it was an animal's carcass, whatever. But I mean, the fact that he like walks up on it because he found, didn't he go looking for John Bernthal's body? I yeah. think, I no, think, he already, no, no, he, he started, he, he, he went to go hunt the, the lions because they had six deputies. They didn't need him anymore for this or whatever because he's not, because that's the whole thing is he's not really a cop. They keep asking him because the, the FBI agent, uh, Jane wants, whatever help she can get. Yeah. But he was going back to hunt the lions because that was his original job, essentially. And then he happens to find the tracks. So what we were discussing is some people thought that we're watching about this, that that's where they dropped off John Bernthal's body. Uh, but that couldn't have been it because they, we saw his body later. So I'm guessing it must have been that was part of the tracks got picked up again where they went to go to Bernthal's body because they didn't find any tracks around there. Mm-hmm. But then – why are there tracks that were leading up to Barenthal's body from the house? I don't understand. Oh, wait. I don't know. I don't know. That's the little bit of a plot hole right there. Yeah. I'm gonna. I'm about to go to the plot on Wikipedia. And okay. Figure it out. I get you. I get you. But I just, man, I really liked so much about this movie. The, I think the action set pieces are great. Like, when that shootout happened, I was just like, oh, my God. I was, like, just mouth wide open. In the like, present. In awe. I'm getting... His name's Corey Lambert. Yeah. Corey, Corey Lambert. traces the tracks from where Matt's corpse was found back to the drilling camp. Oh, okay, okay. So that's the first time y'all have ever seen that movie? Yeah. Yes. Say? That's the third time I've ever Great watched movie. it. Great movie. It was really awesome, it. man. It was, it, and I will say, the, sorry, you go on, JP. First time I ever watched it uh, was shortly after it was released. They put it on Netflix. I watched it with a couple friends of mine from high school that I'd actually met that semester. So we're still in, like, the early stages of being friends, like, we're watching a movie, but we're kind of like, it's a lot more lighthearted thing. So we weren't really paying close attention to it. I remember like the ending being super heavy. And I was like, why did our friend like put us onto this movie right now? It's like Christmas time. And then I just kind of really never thought about it. And then I watched it again last year with both of my roommates. There was a period where it was just one of us. And then there was a period where there was two of us. And then all three of us were there. We watched the movie. I was like, oh my gosh, dude, this is... One of the heavy. Wait, no, I just realized that's my fourth time. Ah, there you go. Right now. There you um, go. So we watched it then, and it was awesome. And then I watched it over Christmas break. I just watched it because I saw it was on Netflix again. I'm very I was joyful. Like, this is an awesome movie. So I watched it uh, like before I went to dinner with my grandma. I, I don't think I said. Lord. I was just watching it. She's like, "How you doing, JP?" You start sobbing. <laughs> I like didn't say a word the whole time. Like just I was thinking just thinking about, about, about that. The Dang. stat at the end of the movie, and then I watched it again a little bit last night. I didn't get all the way to the very end this morning, but I mean, I've seen it. Yeah, I've yeah. seen it four times now. It's just it's an it awesome movie. And it's. I would not watch it with a significant other. I'd say it's something that you watch with like your guy friends. That's like my personal opinion. Y'all can agree or disagree with that. Yeah, I I did, and she did not like the movie. Yeah, I uh, I I know my roommate watched it with his girlfriend another time before. Like we didn't watch it together, and he said like she didn't say a word for like the rest of the night. Whenever she watched it, just yeah, it's so just heavy man it really just kind of as you can see whenever i got here earlier i was just in a bad mood yeah the movies like that really do weigh on me sometimes i think movies have a really strong effect on me i feel like that is the case for a lot of people but if i see a movie that like just upsets me just because it's like something i'm just i mean it's a movie and all 
about real events. It just kind of, there's nothing I can do about it. I just get frustrated and for I'm, no reason. I'm going to say two things on that point. Obviously, to any of our listeners, uh, we obviously highly recommend all the movies we watch, of course, and we'll say if you feel so inclined to watch the movies we just talked about. But for the for what it's worth, just to, just to make sure the, pe- the people know, uh, in Wind River is a very graphic and disturbing uh, rape scene that goes down. And it, I skipped that one. It is certainly not for everybody to watch and could certainly upset a lot of people if you were to watch it. So just want to make sure you guys know that going in because I did not know. Like I saw the warning and I was like, oh, PG-13. Or is it PG-13 or R? I feel like it's, it's R. R. It is. Okay, never mind then. Right. So it says that. And I was like, oh, a rape scene. What the? But I was just, you know, but then we just started watching because we had to watch for the podcast. And I mean, it's. It's disturbing. It's graphic. It's all the bad stories you could possibly hear about that in one scene, and it's, I mean, it, it did a number on our on our group when we watched it. To be honest, so it like just want to let sure everybody knows that for those who are listening and thinking about watching this movie, and that's the crazy thing to me is one. I think the movie is technically brilliant. I think a lot of the scenes, like the knock knock, and then we see that- we see John Bernthal, and we're like, oh my gosh, it's him. He's the he's the you know uh, Pete's in there. Oh my gosh, that that's the guy. And then we learn, wait. It's a flashback, and it's crazy. One of the best transitions yeah, in any awesome. movies I've ever and seen. And then it transitions, yeah, because then it transitions back when she opens the door is when, is when they kick down the door? No, that's when- um, No, he, the when she shoots ba- her through Oh, the right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's knocking in present day, and then it cuts to a flashback of John Bernthal getting out of the shower, and then it's the girl, isn't her name Natalie, yeah. I yes. believe? So it's like Natalie coming in. And then a couple of the other drill workers had been drinking, and then they come in, and then the whole yeah, all that happens. The whole like and they, reason for the movie's purpose transpires. Yeah, exactly. And then she takes off, and then it like cuts back to the present, and then like the dude's not answering, or I don't, I kind of well, like cut. Yeah, he's not and answering, then, and then he goes like, "You have an FBI agent in front of your door right now," and then he shoots through it. Yeah. He's, oh, I didn't. Yeah, like he keyed he keyed the guy into like shoot the door because she's right there. Genius. Yeah, and he that's says, excellent. Uh, ben is like, get away from the door, and yeah, because Corey radios in. Yeah, because he puts it together. I mean that, and that shootout is just crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, so everybody dies but Elizabeth Olsen, but Jane, yes, and and then Pete technically, but uh, that I lo- I love the track now where he's like in the woods freaking out, and then he's just right there and just did punches you him. awesome? So, did you notice that when he had him running, like he had him run on top of the hill? Or the mountain. It was playing the same music that he did when ev- whenever he was hunting an animal. Wow. I did not know. Whoa, yeah. Davis with the – wow, that's – Like the first time you, it opens up and it's playing that song because he's hunting the wolf. And I then know he's hunting the, And he's hunting the lions yeah. or whatever. It plays the song. And then once he finally is just standing there watching them run, it plays the song again. They, I, yeah. There are just so many things. I love the I music. Watch the music is today. haunting. The music is it, – it's creepy. It's weird. It's not, it's not like anything we've ever heard. But it drags you in. But it, it's perfect. And – I gotta say one last thing. The cinematography in this movie is—I'm surprised it wasn't nominated. There's so many scenes that just stand out. In my head. One of them in particular uh, that really sticks out is when Corey puts on the full suit when he's going uh, searching for somebody's body. It's—it's it's, it's after the hunting, and they do a wide shot so we see what he looks like compared to the snow, so we realize how he would blend in naturally. Because it's not—you know—a lot of movies they'll say, "Oh, just put on some camo," but this movie's like, "Look—you can't see him." At all, which, by the way, Elizabeth Olsen actually experienced snow blindness at one point while filming this movie because the conditions were not exaggerated at all. Like what they're in is what it was. You got to travel time. five miles to go five hundred feet or whatever. You no, say, it's like travel, a mile. travel fifty miles to go five, ah, which is I crazy. Welcome to Wyoming. That's, That's what true. I say. Welcome to Wyoming. Well, I'm glad. Uh, yeah, and they 
you're kind of wondering where are we. I like how a lot of it's mystery, and you kind of pick up the pieces. I could tell us Wyoming because Kanye was there for his Yay, yeah, I know album cover, about. and that's in Wyoming. Oh, I've just seen it. photos because yeah, I watched peak. like a video. Yeah, there you go. But well, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just technically brilliant. Wyoming's pretty. So pretty many nice. amazing shots. All right, let's wrap up the show though because we're we're near we're nearing the end of our collective two hour time slot. To be honest, we we had a lot to discuss. Okay, here's a hot take. I think I might like this more than No Country. I really like No Country, but this I, movie, I can't give it the edge. I can't. I, don't I think, know. I think it's, this one's like good. more my kind of movie. They're good. Yeah, that's true. It's 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 more it's more independent indie film. That's more your mo than ours. I would say. I mean, but I, it's right here for me. You know, it's No Country and then just below. I mean, Wind River is awesome. Understandable. JP, any any thoughts? I I mean, No Country's is understandable. In my like top three, it's just it's an it's another level. I think for me, and yeah, it's just. But all right, let's say even in this dark movie, what's y'all's favorite scene, favorite shot? Like, what's one thing that stands out in your mind that you won't forget about this movie before we wrap it up? I think the the gunfight, and then like when he when he, when he shoots, and like you can kind of see him camouflaged, and they're like, where where is it? Like, oh, that's awesome. My uh, yeah, my favorite scene is whenever Corey first sees Martin after. Oh my like, gosh! When yeah. the FBI agent goes in and talks to her, and then and he's like, so oh. angry at Jane, and then the moment he sees Corey, just breaks down. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I no, no, it's just like the oh whole dialogue God, yeah. right there. He's like, "Oh, that yeah, yeah." yeah. I'd the, like to tell grief. you that it gets easier. I got some good news. And I got some bad news. Bad news is you're never going to be. You the handle same. the pain so you can remember her, exactly. which I'd never. That was crazy. I, to hear. I can't tell if it's good acting or Brilliant I mean I, dialogue. The well, like I think it's both. Jeremy Renner takes for it. Ever and he he said he pretty much talks like the whole time yeah and he like takes so many pauses I can't tell if it's Jeremy Renner acting or if he's like actually about to cry because of how like powerful both. that dialogue it's a lot and it's a lot of great direction too from Sheridan the guy um, that plays the dad in Twilight to Taylor Lautner in Twilight is really that's what's him his name Bill what's his name I don't know I don't know Twilight his friend Martin, oh, yeah. Martin Martin oh yeah yeah Martin Martin so I. Oh my gosh! There's so many scenes about them, and when and then when they when he's like, "Will you sit with me for another minute?" Yeah, oh, I love the, it. He says, says, face. he says, yeah. "This is my death face." And uh, Corey says, "How do you know?" And he says, "I don't know. No one's around to teach me anymore." Okay, now, one that more thing. Sad commentary on the reality of an entire culture. Yeah. To be quite honest, did you notice that Jeremy Renner kind of was talking in the like the Native American accent? The Arafo, I think is they call it. Like if you list, like I was watching, I was like, "Am I crazy?" But like he kind of had like the same like cadence to it because I feel, I mean, like I feel like maybe he did that on purpose because his character hangs around the. True. Reservations yeah. so often. Like and, he, and he identifies with the Remember when he confronts the guy, he says, says please, the closest, the closest thing you've got is uh, a native wife who divorced you, and then that's when he hits the guy. I think there's a couple scenes where he very much identifies with this land and with this group of people. He, he says uh, to Pete, he says, my family's people were uh, yeah. moved here over a century ago. Referring to his he, wife. And, I yeah. love that he uses that yeah. kind of... Uh, Dialect accent, maybe. I just think it's awesome. everything. Choice of words, all, all of it. I, I think guarantee in about like ten years, there's going to be someone uh, with I, a problem with no, that. But I think it, this it one's this is different than him doing like a really over the top accent the whole time. Like, well, it's so some subtle. some of the reviews were mad about the fact that the character says it is a white guy, and I was like, that's the anyways. point because he's supposed to be an outsider. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Outsider it's, trying to make his way in. Exactly. That's a, that's a very good point. Yeah, I I, I like it all. He's a, he's he's in the community, but he's still an outsider. Like exactly. he can't experience what they experience. Because that's I mean that's it's a whole other culture all its own, man. It yeah. really is. And oh my gosh, this movie. Anyway, any final final thoughts before we wrap it up? Um, I recommend it to almost anyone, but 
you really got to prepare yourself it's, for it, I'd it say. It took a turn that I did not expect. And again, that scene I mentioned is immediately followed by a shootout. It's mm-hmm. breakneck pace, and it's brilliant. You're going to come away saying that's an awesome movie. Awesome pace. My roommate's again sudden. He doesn't. He didn't like 70. He doesn't like really dark movies. He said, wow, that was awesome because it's, it was it's awesome. just brilliant. Did y'all watch written. it last night? Uh, we watched it uh, Saturday night, actually. Mm. Yeah, and I watched No Country yesterday. But anyway... Uh, JP, I want to thank you for joining the show uh, one time before me. you graduate. Glad we could finally get you on to do an episode of Through the Lens. And I for can, myself, I can call in to the Lord of the Rings episode. Absolutely. Well, we'll definitely set that up in the next year. Got a lot of big plans for our final year, possibly next year. But anyway, to all of our listeners, we thank you for joining us. I'm Alex Houston alongside Davis Carroll. And welcome to or joining the show for one time only, possibly maybe a second time in the future. JP Williams, host of the Woodstock Hour and program director here at Weagle 91.1 FM. This is our last official, official podcast of the semester. We are all wrapped up. We will be doing a 1971-themed episode for Weagle's 50th anniversary uh Celebr- 51st anniversary celebration this upcoming Friday, Thursday and Friday. It's going to be a lot of fun. But again, we thank you for joining us on the show. We hope you enjoyed it. And you can follow us at Through the Lens Weagle on Instagram and can follow Weagle underscore AU for all updates about Weagle 91.1 FM, Auburn's student run radio station. Once again, I'm Alex Houston alongside Davis Carroll with JP Williams as our guest. And we thank you for joining us and we will see you Are all. Are we not going to do the final trivia? No oh, trivia? See, I always forgot. forget. I, you literally have this card in your hand. Into it. I always forget. Oh I'm so God. sorry. I thought you were going to segue into it because you had the card in your hand. I, I don't know what happened. I apologize. So, <laughs> for our trivia, before we wrap up the show, Ben Hur won 11 Oscars in 1959. What movie matched this record in 1997? Oh, yeah. I don't know. I thought it was going to be something I knew. That's why I was excited to participate. Excellent. Well, we'll discuss once we wrap it up. But again, thank you all for joining us. This has been Through the Lens, and we will see you all next week.